York sports fans on this brisk, feels like wintertime, small business Saturday. I'm Danielle McCartan. Danielle, in the daytime, welcome. And thank you for choosing me to be part of your Saturday afternoon and evening. The good news is we'll be talking all things New York sports for the next couple hours up till 7.20 p.m. when the Brooklyn Nets pregame comes your way. Brian Riscona and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. And you know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones. 877-337-6666. As always, let's load them up with your best content only. And you know that I like getting the other team's perspective. So at 620, I've got for the Giants fans from Sports Radio 94 WIP, afternoon co-host John Marks. Can the Giants pull a one-off against the Eagles tomorrow? Well, we'll certainly discuss that as the evening continues along here. But at the moment... We will start with the team that has been very active over the past 24 hours, the New York Mets. Thank God it's Friday night, and I just, 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 just got paid. That's right. It, it may have been Black Friday, but the Mets went big shopping yesterday. No manager, no problem for the Mets, it seems, so far. This was the song of last night for Eduardo Escobar, Mark Hanya, and, and, and Starling Marte. All who inked new deals for the Mets last night. It was Friday night, and they just got paid. How was that throwback to NSYNC's No Strings Attached album, everybody? Steve Cohen said that the Mets payroll was roughly about $185 million and that he's giving Billy Epler the green light to spend money, significant money, on free agents, particularly because the Mets' farm system is not deep. With Moose and Maggie, Cohen said, there's a quote, we're going to have to spend this year, and I'm committed to that, and I'm not afraid to spend, end quote. It's as though Christmas came early. For Mets fans, excitingly waking up this morning and seeing three new players under their proverbial trees, Escobar, Kana, and the best center fielder on the market, Starling Marte. It's safe to say, for those of you still holding out hope, the Michael Conforta era in Queens is finally over. But Starling Marte is the star of the day to the tune of four years, $78 million. Actually, I, I think that's a good number for the Mets. Uh, even though he's 33 years old, he is not playing like it. And and the Mets could move him to a corner outfield position as he nears the end of the deal. I mean, there are not enough good things to say about this deal, about this player. There is no understating it. It is huge. This is a huge free agent acquisition for the New York Mets. Marte was the best true center fielder on the market this offseason. He's a two-time Gold Glove winner, and last season, he hit 310 and stole 40 bases. In the history of the Mets, and I know he wasn't a Met last year, but in the history of the Mets team itself, there have only been three, three Mets players to ever hit 300 and steal 40 bases in a season. In case you're curious, it's Jose Reyes, Roger Cedeno, and Lance Johnson. Starling Marte will be looking to become the fourth. Marte said, this is a quote, the Mets have it all. It'll be a great opportunity to play with them. They are in position to compete right now on a World Series, end quote. So this afternoon, I was curious. I looked. The Mets are at plus 1,800 to win the World Series as of this afternoon. And the Yankees are at plus 1,000. 
You know I dropped some money on that this afternoon. Not a lot. You know. You know. But in Eduardo Escobar, what do the Mets have? Well, I think uh, two years at $20 million is a little much for him. But Escobar gives the Mets defensive versatility at three infield positions, first, second, and third base. He's not a great glove, but he can be inserted into the lineup at any of those positions. Flexibility is great. His switch-hitting bat is the main attraction. With some power, what I like most about Escobar is his strikeout rate is around 20% over the course of his career, which is about 3 percentage points below league average. And then you add in his his contact swinging strike rates. They've also hovered around average pretty much. And if I were building a GM, if I were a GM building this team, I'd look for a hitter like that too. You know what my philosophy is by now. And according to Disha Thosar of the Daily News, Escobar is expected to play third base most days for the Mets. So my next question to myself was, okay, well, what about Chris Bryant? He certainly would have been, and still is, the more expensive option. And Track has his market value at a six-year deal for $23.5 million annually. Escobar is certainly a fraction of that cost, but also for a fraction of the number of seasons. So would it have been worth it to splurge for Bryant? Well, I looked at it. I picked a few categories that I thought would be important to determine a good you know, picture for a player. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight categories I picked. I picked, and I could tweet out this and send this on Facebook, but I picked out fielding percentage and number of games at third base. I picked batting average, on-base percentage, on-base slugging, strikeout percentage, walk percentage, home runs per season, and stolen base per season on average. And these are careers, career numbers for the both of them. And I found that in one, two, three, four, five, six of the eight categories that I just listed, Chris Bryant is the better player. And where Eduardo Escobar beats him out is, is fielding percentage by uh, 15 hundredths of a point. And he's a little bit better in the strikeout percentage category. Uh, maybe, let's say, let me do quick math here, about 4% better. That's it, though. So the next question then logically would be, okay, are they going to do both? I don't see them doing both, actually, because we'll get into it in a second, but the Mets said that, that they, they're eyeing up pitching right now. And if Eduardo Escobar figures to be the, the Mets' everyday third baseman, I don't know. The move I would have made with seemingly an unlimited amount of cash was Chris Bryant over him. I mean, he's better, like I just said, at most of the categories that I looked at. And then Mark Connor, he's going to be 33 years old when pitchers and catchers report. He inked himself a two-year $26.5 million deal, and he most his most recent contract, he made $7 million with the Oakland Athletics. So he basically almost doubled his annual salary, salary by signing with the Mets. Again, I think this deal is too much money. I hope he lives up to it, just like Escobar. But in him, I, I found that the Mets have a, a very versatile defender who can play all three outfield positions Oh, and first base, just in case. And the guy gets on base, which is important. So, Mets fans, here's something that you can stick to your Yankee fan friends at the bar tonight. 
even though it's only by five hundredths of a point. But Mark Kana has a higher on-base percentage than Aaron Judge since 2019. I double-checked it. It's true. But it's only by five hundredths of a point. But if you want to be cool at the bar tonight, there you go. There's your fact. And also, if you're someone that believes in war, I'm not sure I do, but if you do, Fangraphs, Fangraphs War, F-War, lists only three outfielders with a higher war than Mark Kana since 2019 in that same time frame. That Those are Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and George Springer. So what does this $125 million in one day spending spree all mean in the grand context of everything? Well, one, Steve Cohen is not afraid to spend money this year. And that's for sure. Because according to MLB trade rumors, the Mets luxury tax calculation sits around $198 million after that Escobar deal. And that means that the Mets would have, I think, the second highest payroll in the league. And they are not done yet. They still need pitching, obviously. And also obvious the luxury tax penalization has not been set yet. That is going to be a product of the new CBA. And as it looks right now, the Mets are following my strategy by blowing right by that luxury tax thresholds. Or maybe maybe plural, maybe more of them. I think also how this is working out, the Mets are looking to build a team in the way that I would too. High on base guys mixed in with some power guys. And they're better defensively. I mean, look at what that outfield would look like. And these are all guys that can run the bases. Kana had stole 12 bases last season, which nowadays is good. And, and don't look now, but Starling Marte led the league in stolen bases with 47. The next closest base stealer had 40, Whit Merrifield. And then third place in, in base stealings last year was Trey Turner. With 33. So you've got Marte with 47, Merrifield with 40, and Trey Turner with 33. That's amazing for Marte and the Mets. Especially because the Mets were an atrocious base stealing team last season, among the worst in the league statistically. So, how I also think this is working out, especially with the addition of Escobar and Kana, who offer defensive flexibility, most and more specifically now here at first base, either Dom Smith or J.D. Davis or both are trade bait. Even if there is a DH adopted in the NL this upcoming season, which there better be, I mean, it's not like J.D. Davis doesn't already have a feeling. At the beginning of October, he said he has a gut feeling, his words, that could he could, and this is his words too, that he could be out of here and headed to another team. He said, it's kind of like 50-50, a flip of the coin, but there's a possibility that I can come back. I love New York. I love the fans. That's J.D. Davis in, in the beginning of October. And my gut feeling for the past two offseason now, he's out of here. And Mets fans, I know he's a likable, fan favorite kind of guy. I think Dom Smith will be out of here too. So start mentally preparing yourselves for that. And so the next question is, well, now what? Well, Andy Martino said on Twitter this morning, quote, sense is that last night's Mets moves could be in position, could be it in position for players right now. P- 
Pitching and Gosman are a major focus at the present. End quote from Andy Martino on Twitter. For the Mets, I was so happy to read that. I was so happy to read that the prioritization shift has gone from position players to pitchers. From Baez to a grade A starting pitcher or two or three. Probably two, though. A Javi Baez reunion with the Mets would be a horrible thing for this team. Absolutely horrible for a number of reasons. Number one, payroll. It's a simple question. With the Mets figuring to have, at the moment, the second highest payroll in the league in 2022, is Javi Baez more important to sign than Marcus Stroman or Max Scherzer or any of the top flight starting pitchers? No! The pitching staff is more of a need right now than any position player on that team at this point right now. And two, how about the culture? Given the fans, those that spend their hard-earned cash and invest their time into that team, a thumbs down might as well have been a middle finger. And I know he wasn't alone in doing it. I think the Mets have a clubhouse issue, which was accelerated by Baez, but it's impossible to tell because reporters haven't been allowed in, in the clubhouse since before COVID. And I'm going to venture to guess that there's no way that that clubhouse was not fractured by the arrival of Javi Baez. Oh, and then how about this, number three, the, the great Baez postseason vanishing act of 2017. Oh, yeah. Javi Baez, when his Cubs fell short in the 2017 NLCS, here's what he did that entire postseason. He was 2 for 26 with a .077 batting average. He had 11 strikeouts and an on-base percentage of 143. I mean, I think you or I could hit better than that. It's just terrible. So Mets fans, ask yourselves, really, and truly, look yourself in the mirror and say, would I stand for that? For those numbers in my own team's postseason run. From a guy making uber bucks? Come on, don't lie to yourselves, Mets fans. It's a no. And how about this? Javi Baez was the, the example of a quintessential example of a guy playing for a contract. Do not be fooled by the recency bias. Yes, Javi Baez put up astronomical numbers in the months of September. I have them right in front of me. I put them on my page here. That's absolutely true. Those numbers... In the sample size of just one month, are also exponentially better than his career numbers. That is a guy playing for a contract, whether it is here in New York or elsewhere. Do not be fooled by the recency bias. And number five, how many more Mets will be playing out of position? Javi Baez is not a second baseman. He'll be playing out of position for the next, what, eight or so years? That's what this market value indicates. Eight years at $24 million a year. You mean to tell me that the Mets will happily employ two middle infielders into their late 30s by their contract's ends at how much per year? Lindor, shortstop Lindor, will be one month short of 38 years old at his contract end. And assuming Baez would get an eight-year deal himself, because that's what his value indicates at the moment, a second baseman, Javi Baez, would be 37 years old at contract end. I mean, that is like a geriatric unit in the middle infield at City Field. Give me a break. And have I convinced you yet? It's an N-O, no for me, dog, on a long-term deal for Javi Baez in Queens. And some more news for the Mets. John Heyman at noon, around noon, a little after today, he tweeted, Mets are focused at the top end of the pitching market at present. Scherzer, Gosman, and Ray. They love Scherzer, but the big question is whether he'd come. Mets are on a roll, though. End quote from John Heyman. Well, I looked at it. 
one, two, three, four, five, six different categories here, one of them being market value. If I had to rank these guys, one, two, and three, Scherzer, Gosman, and Ray, in the order of I'd take them on my team, no matter what the team is, Scherzer is my number one, Ray is my number two, and Gosman is my number three. And the reason why Gosman is my number three is because I looked at a stat that I kind of came up with on my own here. His ERA prior to and after the spider attack crackdown. And let me tell you something. Prior to it, Kevin Gossman was pitching to an ERA of 1.51. 1.51. After the spider attack crackdown, 3.96. That would give me pause enough not to offer this guy a five-year deal at $22.4 million is what the, what the, at an annual value is what the market value on him is. Uh, not good. Besides the fact that he has the least amount of strikeouts per nine innings, and we can get into this in a little bit, but, but if we're picking uh, these guys here, Scherzer's my number one, Robbie Ray would be number two, and Kevin Gossman would be three for any team. Yankees, Mets, it doesn't matter. And I also looked at some injury considerations. Gossman, none significant that I know of. Ray, none significant that I know of. But then Scherzer, if you remember, this past World Series, he was scratched from Game 6, and, and, and he said, I could just say my arm was dead. While it was probably fatigue, that could be concerning because, I don't know, if I'm the Mets, I would want a full medical workup on that moving forward, especially for a Mets pitching staff with a lot of question marks in terms of innings, eating, capabilities. And then the Yankees. There's the Yankees and Brian Cashman. And, and Yankee fans are left wondering, what the heck is going on? Is Brian Cashman's phone dead? Is his landline plugged in? And with a lockout looming, where are your moves, Mr. Cashman? And, and maybe it's still trending on Twitter, but it definitely was earlier this afternoon. On the heels of all this Mets news, you know what was trending on Twitter? The word Gardner. Say it ain't so. Yankees fans, what are you thinking? Let it go. Let it go. Seriously, how frustrating is it to see the Mets well on their way and the Yankees just aren't? That's the way it is. Come on. Come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and quickly on the Giants, this will be their first week of offense without Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. So I know they said it's going to be a collaborative effort, which I think that's going to be a a gigantic disaster. What would a Freddie Kitchens offense look like? Well, one, as we talked about on Thanksgiving, Daniel Jones will be wearing a quarterback play-calling wristband. Good. Two, I would expect Kenny Galladay to become more involved. And he was asked if he's been frustrated with his role or lack thereof on the offense. And with a smile, he said... I'm going to keep that comment to myself. Yeah, good idea. Three, I would love to see the Daniel Jones home run ball over the middle and or down the left sideline. We looked at that last time I was on on Thanksgiving at his quarterback rating chart. But the Eagles typically don't give up huge plays, and that's going to be something to watch. And number four, overall, I would just like to see a more aggressive game plan. The Giants literally have nothing to lose. Open up the playbook. Let Daniel Jones let it fly. So, I I think that should be enough. Let's get it going. I have set the table for you. I can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan.
in New York City. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on this beautiful Saturday afternoon in New York City. You know, by now you might know that I worked alongside Coach Drew Gibbs at Ramble High School for a little over 10 years. And as you know, by now, he suddenly and tragically passed away about two weeks ago. So I had to make sure that I cleared my schedule last night to go to the North One Group 4 NJ New Jersey football sectional final last night. Um, and it was the first Rampo game I'd ever gone to without Drew on the sidelines. And uh, there was one problem, though. The tickets were sold out. Luckily, though, one of my very dear former colleagues gave me his, and I was able to go. And, and the final count um, says that the state sold about 5,000 tickets, and probably there were an unofficial 6,000-plus at a high school football game in North Jersey. And I was one of those people. Um so what I did was I met another very dear colleague and her husband there, and we had every intention of leaving at halftime last night. I mean, that 23-degree wind chill in Allendale, New Jersey, with the snow flurries flurrying. Oh, man, but the game was just too good. It was just a back-and-forth game. I mean, honestly, I have been to a lot of high school football games. As you know, I was in the marching band when I was in high school, et cetera, et cetera. This was one of the best high school games I've ever seen, football-wise. And unfortunately for for us, I'll say us because I'm a part of it. Not that I'm part of the Yankees or the Mets. I'll never say us there. But a part for us, Rampo, Northern Highlands marched down the field and put up seven to take the lead with just a few minutes to go. And Rampo, though, did have a shot to win it with 11 seconds left. But a sack and no timeouts remaining sealed the deal for Highlands. Final score was 35-30. So congratulations and best of luck to Northern Highlands, our bitter rivals as they move forward next weekend. And a job well done by the entire game day operation there uh, on the uh, Highlands tribute to to Drew Gibbs and a great commendation to the thousands of people in attendance as that moment of silence was observed in memory of Coach Gibbs, gone too soon. So with that, let's get it going. At 877-337-6666, in the order that you guys called, I think it was Justin. I think you were up first. Justin in Deer Park, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. Well, you had a great holiday, first of all. You too, Justin. Thanks. All right. Question. Um, Mets. Yeah. What What lessons do you think Stephen Cohen has learned from after year one of being owner of a team? Mm. That's a really good question. And I think, ooh, really good, Justin. Justin, you've been bringing the fire on the questions. What has Steve Cohen learned from year one to year two. Um, well, certainly not to stay off Twitter, and that still bothers me. I think he learned maybe strike early. Strike strike early. Don't wait for things to come to you and go out and get what you need. Maybe that's it. And you know what? I, I would not be surprised if the Mets come away with a pitcher by the end of tonight. I mean, that's the kind of momentum that they've been building. Um, I also think that maybe, and we'll see about the higher the, the Baez if if you know if if they go after him again and re-sign him again. But maybe they're learning that the construction of a team needs to be more base running heavy, more contact heavy, less strikeout heavy. I think that that's what I hope that he has learned. But Justin, that's a really good question. 
And maybe, just maybe, by by the fact that they said the Mets said that they want to go after another couple of 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 starting pitching arms, maybe they've also learned that this bullpenning thing is is maybe just a fad. You know, in any any profession, things come come and go as fads. I think this is a really big fad in, in MLB right now is this bullpenning game. I think the value you keep paying them that way. The value in starting pitching needs to be there, six plus innings per starting pitcher, and I think. Maybe Steve Cohen has learned that as well. But but the Twitter thing still bothers me. Still. To Bob in Syosset, you're up next on the fan. Oh, well, hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Bob? You're on. Happy. Hello? You're, you're on. You're here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Happy holidays and all. Happy New York Mets. You know, my favorite ball players last year were McCann, Dominic Smith, McNeil, and Davis. That uh, they all lost their luster because they all really didn't play that well or that much. Mm-hmm. What is your starting lineup, and who? And I think they're going to trade Dominic or McNeil. Yes. And I think I would love to see McNeil Lindor, but I don't think they get along. Right? That's what happened at the end of the year. So, yeah. what is your start? I, I, I would put what my starting lineup is for the Mets. Tell me. You What's tell me. You go. You go first. You tell me. Tell me. Tell me. One of those guys go ahead. for pitching. All right, Kevin, uh, Bob, uh, Bob. Sorry, we got it. Okay, so I'm I'm writing this out. I'm I'm a very visual person. So I've got uh, my starting lineup. I would probably have Nimmo or Marte at the top. Um, I would like to look at Nimmo's numbers as a second batter, but for for right now, I'm going to put him number one. I think he's a quintessential leadoff hitter. I would go Marte two. I would go Lindor three. Alonzo cleanup. Um, we have left Escobar, McNeil, Connor, and Smith. If Smith is still there, of course, and I, and I'm factoring in the fact that there there's probably going to be a DH. Um, I would hope, I would think, in the NL. So let me think. Let's go. All right, here we go. My leadoff would be Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, number two, number three Lindor, number four Alonzo, number five. Hmm. Escobar, number six, McNeil, seven, Kana, eight, Smith, if he's still there, and nine, McCann. But again, I'd like to look at uh, Brandon Nimmo as a as a, as a leadoff batter and as a number two batter and kind of see where he and Marte kind of slot in from there. But but that's a good problem to have, isn't it, Mets fans? Two guys that can run the bases and, and a guy in Marte for sure that can s- steal them and swipe them at his own will. That sounds like a lot of runs at the top of the order for the Mets. And, and remember, when we were studying the, the World Series, out of whatever many games there were, it's like like 80%, the team that scored first went on to win, I think, like 80% of the World Series games. So so that's important. That That's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Let's go in the order that you called Lou in Astoria. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you, Lou? Yeah, I like what you're saying. Brian will be a great addition, but you need pitching right now. Yes. I cannot believe that he left Syndergaard after all the trouble that went through him. I know. All, all the stuff for $2 million. Daniel. I know. I, I, I just don't understand this. I don't get it either. You know, I mean, we we Yankee fan. I would have been pissed off if that would have happened to us. But you know what? Our GMs, I don't know. To be honest with you, that was crazy. But the Starling Marte is the guy that I wanted for our team. And you know that from the very beginning. I know that, yeah. Okay. If this is a guy that makes contact, okay, that is going to put the ball in play, that's going to make the game exciting. And look at the World Series. 
That really World Series was a stinker because those two teams did not actually belong there. Okay, that was not classic. They didn't even have a starting pitcher. They they brought somebody that 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 started only once or twice in the regular season and they pitched in the World Series. Mm-hmm. That was disgusting. Anyway, I mean, for, and another thing I was going to tell you about the football team. Why wasted so much time? And I know you're going to say, well, why don't you call her? The last, the last host for four hours didn't mention anything about the Mets, what they're doing right now. Steve Cohen, he tweeted on Monday after the Giants lost, and he was very pissed off about what Garrett did. And you know what? He said they need, they, the Giants need change. He was gone the very next day. And you know what? And I told him, I said, listen, don't waste any time. This is, this, you know, I, 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 I tweeted him back. Don't waste any time like you did last year. Don't wait for you for your leaders to make the decision. Stanley Marte has to be your number one priority. It doesn't yes. matter what, what it takes because look look what happened to Springer. Yep. You haven't had a center field as good as Marte in such a long time. Mm-hmm. Now don't waste any time. You know, I'm not saying that I'm responsible for it, but I can tell you what, that's what I told him, that's what he did. And you take care, Daniel. <laughs> Lou, you are the reason. <laughs> Starling Marte. Steve Cohen looked at your tweet, Lou, and said, Lou knows what he's talking about. He's been calling Danielle for weeks on the fan, wanting Starling Marte for the Yankees, right? I think that, right? So, Lou, I think all the Mets fans need to thank you because, Lou, you are the reason that Starling Marte is here in Queens. You are the reason. That's it. There are no other factors. It was just all you. Let's go Marty in Westchester. You're up next on the fan. Yes, happy uh, Thanksgiving weekend, Daniel. How are you? Yes, good, good. Uh, Obviously, a terrific pickup by the Mets, so Stalling Marte. Mm -hmm. Uh, I must say, though, as a Yankee fan, I am a little bit disappointed. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about the Yankee situation now in center field. Obviously, they have Aaron Hicks coming back, and we know his history Mm -hmm. with injuries. Mm -hmm. And you touched upon it uh, during your monologue about Cashman actually thinking about bringing back Brett Gardner. So that doesn't sound like a promising, uh, you know, uh, future for the Yankees. I know. Uh, What are are their options uh, moving forward? Their options are, and and Marty, good call there. Uh, See, the the problem is the Yankees are are marred by these long-term, exorbitant, I can never say that word, contracts that Brian Cashman has doled out. I mean, taking on the Stanton one, giving... Hicks, that seven-year, $70 million deal, that was ridiculous when it happened. I, I am on the record saying I do not want Stanton either. You know, last season he proved me wrong, though. What are the Yankees' options moving forward? I mean, uh, uh, one, A, blow by the luxury tax and go out and get your own free agents elsewhere. But, but in terms of the outfield, I, I think they're locked in. I think the Yankees are kind of locked into an outfield of... Probably when I think about it, it's 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 going to be judging right. That's for sure. Hicks in center. Huh? Let me take that back. Let, it, it, okay, let's start at center field. Hicks in center. Probably with Brett Gardner. Let's be honest. Probably with platooning with Brett Gardner in center field. Let's be honest there. And then you look at left field. Joey Gallo probably with John Carlos Stanton mixed in. Then in right field, Judge. And he could play a little center. It's just it, there's not a lot of flexibility with the Yankees. There's just not. They'll be looking for that fourth, fifth, probably fifth outfielder type. 
guess who fits the bill? Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner. So if you're a Yankee fan, your outfield is kind of set. It's kind of rigid. Not a lot of flexibility there. Whereas the infield is a little bit in flux. Who's going to play first base for the team? Who's going to be the shortstop? Those are two really good questions. And, you know, Marcus Stroman was pretty active on Twitter yesterday. Someone tweeted him and said, basically saying, please don't leave the Mets. And Stroman said, I would love to be back on the squad next year. I've proven that I can pitch in New York. Others usually crumble under that New York pressure. However, this is Stroman saying this. I know a source who says the front office, rather the other pitchers on the market, I'm going to dominate wherever I end up. See, if that were me, if I were the part of the Mets front office, I would go Stroman and Scherzer. If you're going to blow by the luxury tax, you're going to just do it. And then, of course, you got Steve Cohen taking a Twitter earlier in the week to publicly criticize the agent of Steven Matz. From a Mets perspective, I've got a problem with the manner in which Steve Cohen uses Twitter. I just alluded to it. Let's do it. Do you have a problem with the way he uses Twitter, or are you good with what he puts out there with his Twitter fingers? 877-337-6666. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. Uh, we were just talking about Steve Cohen and his use of Twitter. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't like it. I don't like it uh, how he, he uses it to um, attack or, or rip people. Because it, Listen, the whole thing with the Stephen Matz thing. Joel Sherman said the other day on Twitter, I just talked to Steve Cohen on the phone. He was angered that the Mets were pursued by Matz and his agent, not vice versa, and told the New York Mets were Matt's first choice, that there was unfinished business, blah, 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 right? Then Sherman quoted Cohen and said, most relationships I had with agents have been wonderful. The conversations have been good, and they really have been, blah, 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 blah. I've never had an agent do that before with me. So I have an idea why that, why that might have been done with you this time around, Steve Cohen, because it's to drive up the price for the client. I mean, is it really rocket science? I don't know what your offer was going to be to Steven Matz, but I can guarantee that the Cardinals' offer was going to be higher than yours. Matz wins. He and his agent, by the way, get paid either way. This is going to keep happening because people know how much money you have, so get used to it. And then Joel Sherman also said this two hours after that on Twitter. He said, I spoke to Rob Martin, Steven Matz's agent. He said that he called Steve Cohen after the Cohen tweet, and he said that he thought the tension and hostility was less after that conversation. And, and he said that he, Matt's, and his agency hold no grudge towards the Mets. Is it true? I don't know. But, but it's important because all agents are part of agencies. So I would just be careful about calling out individual agents, which are part of those agencies, because they're all part of a gigantic network. Everybody knows each other. You do not want to sour that relationship, and you don't want to get, I don't know, if you do that, you just won't get anyone that's willing to work with you on, on things. So I didn't like it. I think that could have been solved, as you can see. Read what Joel Sherman tweeted. You could see it. It was kind of basically solved over the phone. Old school. 
I just don't like it. I'm just not a fan of it. And I think the less Twittering, I know it's not a verb, I made it a verb, but the less Twittering, less presence on Twitter in that capacity that Steve Cohen has, the better, in my opinion. Let's go to the phones. Any order that you call is Larry in Brooklyn. You're up next on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. What's up, Larry? Uh, first time caller. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Welcome. Yeah, I, I like to talk about the Giants. Yeah. Uh, you had brought up a point that they really should open up the offense, and that really sounds great. But I think they're sort of limited because their offensive line isn't good. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't allow them to open up the offense. I mean, they really have to make adjustments because Daniel Jones is never going to get enough time to – I mean, he, he has difficulties reading the field, and he's never going to get enough time to really – Read the field. In addition, when Judge came out and said, we really want to use Galloway, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're Philadelphia, what do you do? You pay attention to Galloway. Ga- I mean, Galladay. if Bill Belichick was a coach of Philadelphia for this game, what is he going to do? He's going to take Galloway out of the mix. Galladay. Sure. So, I mean, like, how do you feel about that? Um, I, I think you're, you're, you're good there, Larry. I think you're, you're right on that. And the problem is that, that the, the Philadelphia Eagles don't give up big chunk play. I mean, they think they average – I think it's like 7.7 yards given up per pass play this season. Like, that's not a lot, you know? So you have a good valid point, and I think that's that's going to be a sticking point in this game. I mean, you look at um, Andrew Thomas is back. He's allowed one sack this season, so that should help Daniel Jones. The running game's got to get going to open up. the It's all co- – I hate complimentary football. It is what it is. The running game has to get going. Saquon Barkley has been miserable this season, completely miserable a shell of himself, and you look at the the, the pass catchers that are going to be available to, to Daniel Jones next year, and it, it's it's pretty barren. It's pretty barren. You've got, um, what's his name, uh, Kadarius Toney, who's probably going to be out. Sterling Shepard, probably going to be out. Caden Smith is out. He's a tight end. And Kyle Rudolph is doubtful. So, so. And also, John Ross, he's questionable. So so who's going to be catching the passes from Daniel Jones? It's a great point. It, it's, it's a good point, and it's probably going to be the crux of this entire game. Can they push the ball downfield? Can they play with tempo? This Giants offense functions better when they play with tempo. I've noted it. I've noted it and noted it and noted it. Said it, said it, and said it. I'd like to see some aggressive. You know, I would like to see Saquon Barkley get out in space. Over the middle of the field, that's when he's most explosive, and that is a using that term very loosely in this in this season. But you know, something's got to change. The philosophy has to change, and and the Giants have not been pushing it downfield. I mean, all it takes is like what once a quarter, twice a quarter, throw it downfield just to keep everybody honest and keep everything open in the in the box. Can't you can't jam the box if you got a deep threat? And John Ross, hopefully, he'll play, and he is that deep threat. So yeah, I understand, and I understand, but it's a frustrating little little nuance there of the, of this game moving forward. I'll be honest, uh, and I have my prediction, and everything coming up. I'm not too confident in the Giants. I know this is a winnable game and everything, but but I'm not too confident. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm thrilled about the Marte signing, but yeah. there is one sad thing about it. Arrivederci, Michael Conforto. Yeah, Arrivederci, Conforto. You're right about that. I'm gonna miss him, man. He was he was a nut. He gave his heart. Loved the guy always. Well, yep. Much love. As far as Escobar and Connor, well, uh, you know, what do you say? I'd rather Bryant than Escobar, but yeah, you know, me too. It I'm is what that. it is. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Uh, as far as pitching, 
I am not crazy about Gosman because I, you know, you, I was going to bring it up, but you already brought it up in your open. The stats, I'm not crazy about it. And I heard on Twitter six years, one fifty. Nah, that's too much for me for him. Nah, he's not. He doesn't earn that money. Yeah, I've got. Let me do the math here. I got five years at twenty two point four. Five years, one twelve is what I was seeing. So that, it's not worth it to me. You're right. Yeah, I agree. Um, Scherzer and. Strowman will be Scherzer and Strowman will be great, but I know I don't think Scherzer's coming here for a variety of reasons. One, he loves the the the, the L.A. and two, his agent is Boris, and I, historically Boris, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no Strowman, I would huh? take, I would bring back. Um, I would look at John Gray actually. If he's out there. I'd I pick, I'd take him up. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that we need pitching. I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I think Gosman is going to somehow go, but I'm just, I know I'm not, I know I'm not going to like the deal. Um, and I will say this, do not be surprised if my guy comes back. I know you don't like him. You already said you didn't like him today, and you know who I'm referring to. Baez. Don't be surprised if he comes back. I'm just feeling it. Because uh, I heard no. I heard it from on Twitter, it's down the Mets or Tigers for him, and I don't think, in all honesty, I don't think he's going to go to Detroit. <laughs> I mean, Detroit has nothing to play for. I don't think he's going to want to toil away his best years in Detroit. Yeah, you're right about that. You are right about that. And I know they're a little bit on the upswing over there in Detroit, but I I can't get behind Javi Baez, Kevin. I just can't do it. I I understand. We've had many discussions about that. And if he resigns, we'll we'll debate that again. But as far as – I'm just really content with the Mets so far, and I'm loving it. We'll see what happens. And as far as the Giants, well, it's my birthday this Friday. So, Giants, you did it for me last year. Do it for me again. (laughs) Give me a birthday win. We'll appreciate it, but I don't think they will, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice, Kevin, and thanks for the call there. It would be nice. I, I'm, I'm not going to give away the goods just yet, but let's just say I'm, I'm not too optimistic on the Giants' uh, potential to win this game uh, tomorrow. To Westfield, New Jersey, and Jeff we go. You're up next on The Fan. Hi, Daniel. I love what, everything you're saying. I totally agree with you. Thanks, uh, Giants don't have, a, don't have a chance. Uh, I I don't see that happening. I'm one of the few Yankee and Mets fans because when I was younger, they never played each other. Um, so I, I'm happy to see what the Mets are doing and Cohen getting Marte, who I wanted for the Yankees. Uh, I, I don't understand why, you know, and I've heard other people on FAN say, you know, Boone's kid Gardner, like he shouldn't even be around anymore. Mm-hmm. And Hicks was the worst signing ever. Ever. Why, why does Cashman, who has done nothing in 20 years, just basically live off the coattails of Gene Michael, mm-hmm. why is he still around? To me, he's the worst over, overrated GM that ever lived with the $200 million payroll that the Yankees have. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Jeff, and you're right on the money there. You are right on the money there. Um, I wouldn't say he's, he's, you know, I wouldn't go to the extreme, but you know what? The body of work that he's put together has not been great. It hasn't. And, and you look at that team and you look at, you know, all the deficiencies of that team, especially offensively. I mean, it's really tough to overcome, and it's not a quick fix. They're not going to fix it in one season. And the deficiencies being that it's either home run or strikeout, home run or strikeout or walk, home run, strikeout, walk, home run, strikeout. It's just it's awful. It's 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 hard to watch. They are they are not a exciting team to watch by any means on the base paths. I'm talking about. I mean, the guys that were going taking bases, most of them aren't even there anymore. Velasquez, Wade. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, it almost it almost seems to me that the Yankees are, are going backwards. Either they're going backwards or they're doubling down on on this whole, you know, approach at the plate. And it's concerning. It's it's concerning on so many levels. 
for this Yankees team? And and, and do you do do you do Rizzo at first or do you do Olsen? I'm good with either. Olsen is the better player from what I've studied. Olsen is the better player. But then you're giving up prospects to get him. Is that something you want to be willing to do? Or are you just going to go ahead and throw money at Rizzo? And then, of course, you got the owner, the owner, Hal Steinbrenner, who, who was in favor of lowering the luxury tax. What? Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. That, I couldn't believe that. I almost drove off the road when I read that. Come on now. Bobby in the Bronx, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? What's up, Bobby? How are you? Good, good. Um, these are the next couple of moves that I want um, the Mets to do. Tell me. First, the manager. The one that I want is, I believe his name is Smith from St. Louis. Oh, the Schilt. Cardinal. Mike Schilt. He Schilt. Is, he's my number him. one as well. Me too. I want him, and yes. I want him now. Yes. That's the first move. This, that'll be one of the best managers we had yep. in 20 years. Yep, I'm the with second you. Move, yep. Second move I will do is, you don't have to get Brian, but maybe trade the um, Mar- Marcinio, the shortstop prospect, Mauricio. O'Neal. Yeah. And Smith for Ramirez, is that possible with Cleveland? Uh, uh, I'm not so keen on that, but I'm with you on the Mike Schilt. Okay, and uh, we got to get rid of Diaz, okay? But, here's, and... but, Bobby, here's what I would do with Diaz. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I would do with Diaz. I would move him to a setup role. He clearly can't handle closing role. So maybe the psychology yeah. of pitching is, okay, I'm going to go into the eighth inning, and if I screw it up, at least there's someone behind me, and now some bats in the order that could pick up my slack. That's about, what I would do. About about maybe about this final move, and I'll hang up. Yeah. A Lugo for um, um, just starting pitching, maybe this year. Stretch him out. See if he could be, just become a starter. I I don't like Lugo as a uh, as a starting pitcher. Okay. I just don't. I, I just I think he's he's the perfect, you know, long innings eater dude. In case one of the starters gets in trouble, I, I just don't like it. And I've I've always been on the record saying I, I didn't like it. Okay. Okay, take care. Happy holidays. Thanks. You too, Bobby. And great questions there. Um, yeah, I just I, I just never liked Steph Lugo as a starter. I just really didn't. I, I never have. So, yes, back to this. Mike Schilt, I'm not sure why the Mets have not announced yet that they've that they've that they've brought him in, interviewed him, and, and brought him aboard. I mean, Mike Schilt, I think I'm pretty ninety nine percent sure is the answer for this team. I think he's he's he got a he got a through the short straw or whatever that expression is in St. Louis, and I think he he would be an excellent manager for this Mets team moving forward. Mike Schilt, where are you? Are you listening? Mike Schilt to Queens, <laughs> and coming up uh, is going to be Anthony. He's in the studio. Anthony with an update for you guys coming right up. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Alexa, play WFAN. Welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of Danielle in the daytime here. Maybe we've shifted into Danielle at dinner time or Danielle at drive time, all of it. I love the alliteration. Thank you for, for being a part of the show. 877-337-6666 is the number. Good news is I'm here till 720 till the Brooklyn Nets pregame. So we've got a lot to cover, a lot of Mets so far. And you know, a, a story uh, caught my eye this holiday season, and it involves J.J. Watt. I think everybody knows the story by now of that horrific incident at the Christmas parade in, in Waukesha, um, where a career criminal and wannabe rapper, that from the New York Post, 
drove recklessly through that Christmas parade. That man, and I'm purposely not saying his name, used his vehicle to intentionally murder six people and injure 62 others. And J.J. Watt tweeted in part shortly after the incident. He said, just now seeing what happened at the holiday parade back home in Waukesha tonight, horrific images. So J.J. Watt was born in Waukesha and went to high school six miles away from where that parade took place. I want to venture to guess that he's been to that parade as a kid. And guess what J.J. Watt's doing? He is paying for the funerals for all of the victims. And it's six funerals in his hometown of Waukesha. And it's just an awesome gesture from a guy that it really is no stranger to helping others and, and using his platform to do so. So hopefully that can help those six families in their grieving process. And, and may God bless those lives that were lost that day. And, and a great, a great gesture from J.J. Watt. Another one, I should say. Another great gesture from J.J. Watt. All right, back to the phones we go. We've got uh, Jerry. He's in the car. Jerry, where are you in the car? Oh, I am in traffic and have been for several hours. Oh, no. How are you? Where? Happy holidays. Uh, Heading back to Wilton, Connecticut, Fairfield County. Oh, boy. I had to get my my dogs. They were in the kennel for uh, Halloween. uh, Halloween Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) all They're all just mashed together at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what do you got for me, Jerry? Well, yesterday was a really great day for the Mets. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. I think it shifted the narrative, which only had one way to go, which was up from the last six months. And to your point, the decisions made on field were against the grain of what the club has done in the last few years. I'm left with two really fascinating questions that I'll throw out to you, mm-hmm. the latter of which has some conspiratorial nature to it. Oh, no. What do you think is the mix of the brain trust that are making these signings. I mean, Sandy right now feels like nothing more than a seat warmer. You've got Cohen on Twitter and Billy Epler. I can't imagine has barely set up his desk. Mm-hmm. So who's the man in the room making these signings? You know, that's, that's the first. Yeah, thing. That, that's funny you ask that because I was actually thinking about that. While I was brushing my teeth today. I'm like, who could this possibly be? I, I don't know. I, I believe, and, and you're right, Billy Epler. I don't. I don't think it's him. Sandy. I'm not so sure. I, I think it's got to be Cohen. Cohen wants it. Cohen gets it. That's what I think. That's what I came up with today. Okay, fair enough, and I, 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 I tend to I tend to agree with you. Last caller uh, led into my second question because yeah. it's about the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree with you on Shield. I think Shield's got a great track record. I think he could really fit here. However, it's also very strange to me that there is not at least a hint of the managerial yes. search now that F, that that, that the, the general manager is in place. Right? Is it possible? And here's where the conspiracy kicks in: <laughs> that there's a handshake deal for a Carlos Beltran to return and simply be presented his team when all is said and done so that these players that are mm. looking right now to sign with the Mets are only negotiating with Cohen's money. Hmm. Jerry. So you're operating it from the standpoint that people would not want to play for Carlos Beltran? No, I'm simply saying that it just adds another thing to the mix that someone would have to think about. Right now, it's just sign with the Mets, sign with Cohen's money, and right. then you'll play for Carlos Beltran which might not even be announced until the CBA is in place anyway. Right. Well, that's the way it's trending anyway now. Oh, man. Well, that's a great question, Jerry, and, and thanks for that. Um, I do think it's it's a little strange that there have been no reports of the Mets' interest in any managerial candidate. I do. I'm with you. I think that's strange. I hope that it's not because Carlos Beltran would be back managing this Mets team. I think the Mets should stay as far away as possible um, from Carlos Beltran because of the obvious reason. that He was the mastermind behind the whole cheating scandal in Houston. 
But also, too, because I think this Mets team needs someone who has been a manager before. They've you know, sometimes, a lot of times when people get fired the, from one swing of the pendulum, you kind of go, it swings back and you kind of pick the opposite, right? So the Mets had a guy in Luis Rojas who was never a manager at the MLB level before, and, you know, it didn't work out. I think this time, and I hope that this time, uh, going back to what Justin in Deer Park asked before, what did Steve Cohen learn? Well, hopefully he learned that that you need a, a guy who's done it before. You need a manager who's been there, done that before. And I hope, I hope, Jerry, with all due respect, I hope you're wrong. I, I hope you're wrong. I want no part, no part, none, zero percent part of Carlos Beltran managing the Mets from this season on. No. N-O, no. Uh-uh. It's just they got to have somebody that has a that has an experience. That's it. Period. Done. Stop. To Colonia, New Jersey. Joe, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Before I get to my question, I just want to kudos to J.J. Watts. God bless the yeah, guy. Yeah, right. Yep. Now, my question to you is, Aaron Judge, I believe, has been with the Yankees for about six years. Out of the six years, I think he had three good years. I'd rather have a Brett Gardner. What? He go he goes out there and plays all the time. He plays hard. Oh no. No what now let listen to me. Oh Joe. No, Joe. No, don't hang <laughs> No, I won't. I wanna hear I wanna hear this. I do wanna hear this. No why is Aaron Judge untouchable? I don't understand. If he isn't injured, I mean, like I said, six years with the team, I'll give him three years. That he had three good years. He he had, I would say, four good years, three of which he was named an all-star. Yeah. So, I mean, Aaron Judge, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Brett Gardner, at least he goes out there and plays. No. He, Come on. Joe, Joe, I, I appreciate you calling. I appreciate the take, the, the differing opinion there. But Aaron Judge has played in four really good seasons, three of which, in three of those, he was an all-star. And he's finished in the MVP voting at number two in 2017, number four this past season. I mean, Aaron Judge, he, he to me is untouchable. I'm sorry. Aaron Judge is untouchable for me. The guy is a really good, really good defensive right fielder. Because when you look at, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when you look at the thing I always point to with Brett Gardner, yes, he goes out there and plays his heart out. Yes, he's been a great Yankee. Yes, he's a World Series winning. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Okay? We got it. We understand that. But in the outfield, it's like, how do I say it? The base runners go to the races when Brett Gardner has a ball in his hand. It's fact. There is a fact. There are stats and there are numbers to back it up that Brett Gardner has a subpar arm in the outfield. And when Aaron Judge had the ball in his hand, I was looking at it. Oh, just recently when um, when he was not in consideration for the gold glove for right field, base runners basically stop in their tracks when Aaron Judge has has the ball in his hand. And that is not a statistic that is really measured. You know, like how many runs has Aaron Judge kept off the board with the ball in his hand, just having it in his hand, versus the, the runs that have scored on Brett Gardner running at will, taking another base. And I pointed it out uh, or, you know, when I was on this summer, I pointed it out, and someone tweeted me that game. I was on my way home still from this studio to go home to watch it, and someone tweeted me, hey, I just noticed what you were talking about. 
I mean, it's like the runners, base runners are off to the races with Brett Garner. He doesn't have the speed anymore. But that I, for, for all of those reasons, that's why I'm picking Aaron Judge over Brett Garner. And to me, Aaron Judge is absolutely untouchable for this team, yes. However, I am not re-signing him to a mega deal this offseason. He's got one more year left to prove that he could stay on the field and he could stay healthy. And if he does, then I'm rewarding him with a mega deal. And maybe not as mega because he's going to be kind of old when that time comes. I think, what is he, 29, I think, right now? So, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not giving it to him right now. I want him, I want it, I want him to prove it one more time. Let's go to Westchester. Kevin, you're up next on The Fan. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for Happy making holidays. it. Happy holidays. You too. Uh, I am a frustrated, angry Yankee fan. Yeah, there are a lot of them out there today. Yep. Um, I think that people are br- blaming Cashman when it's not his fault. The fault rests with Hal Steinbrenner. Um, the Yankees are the richest team in baseball. Cohen may be the richest owner, but the Yankees are the richest team in baseball. So... Their window for winning is now. Their players, as you just mentioned, Aaron Judge is hitting 30. Um, they're 30-ish kind of players, still yep. in their prime. Mm-hmm. But to do things like um, have a stopgap at shortstop with the excuse, well, we have these guys in the minors. Right. Well, by the time that they are in there really blossoming, the rest of the team is going to be old. Mm. So that makes absolutely no sense at all. Mm-hmm. Um, to so have... wait, Kevin, let me just stop you right there. Two, two things, and I'll keep you on, of course. Um, one, I think that the move, yes, while Volpe is you know being touted as like the next coming, right? The move, I think, is to sign Seager, right? See, I operate from the, the, the perspective of blow past the luxury tax. That's it, for that reason. So I'm signing Seager, and I'm probably signing Rizzo, too, or trading for Olsen. That's what I would do. And I know that's like two things in one there, but here's what I would do. Once... Seager's getting older, too. Once Volpe is ready, not to rush him, but once he's ready, then Seager slides over to third base, and you have that infield going. You have Volpe, Seager on the left side of your infield. I think that's great. And then the other point is, while, yes, Hal Steimer is sort of kind of handcuffing Brian Cashman and saying, like, hey, dude, you're not going over the luxury tax. You're, you're cooked. But then I look at a, a contract like Aaron Hicks, and I'm like, what was he thinking giving this guy seven years, $70 million? I, like, how did he earn that? Um, that so, was that was a bad move by Cashman, yeah. and I guess uh, uh, Danielle, I agree with you to the extent that you know Cashman is not perfect. Right, he's made some mistakes, mm-hmm. but um, Hal has never proven that he'll go the extra limit I'm, yes. to put a championship team on the field. I because, agree with you on that. Yes, because he understands this. He understands he can make just as much money, or maybe even more money, if the Yankees are competitive. As long as the Yankees remain very competitive, then he makes a lot of money. So that's kind of the, the model under which he operates. And I think um, so. The real ire of the fans should be on on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more one more quick point on yeah. um, center field. Another example: mm-hmm. um, the Mets signed Marte, uh, obvious pick for the Yankees. They didn't go there. Yep. Um, now you have Hicks, who is always injured. Yep. Um, is, is I, I would say, okay, not bad, not a bad player when he's playing, a good player, but he's never on the field. Yep. So how do you win, a, how do you build a championship team knowing that one of your key pieces 
is injured most of the time. Yeah. And there's and there's question marks, Kevin, regarding Giancarlo Stanton's health. You know, how many games is he going to play in? And, and and Judge, too, to an extent. How many games is he going to play in? Was that – I talked about the, the, the recency bias with Baez, Javi Baez, that is. There's got to be some recency bias with, with Judge, too. I mean, he played in 148 games last season. Is he playing for a contract? Is he just making sure that he plays in enough games to get that contract? I mean, th- those are questions, right? Those are all viable questions about this Yankees team. As far as how, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I think it's they go hand in hand, mano and mano, mano a mano, because you've got Hal Steinbrenner who doesn't want to go again, above the luxury tax. Then you got Brian Cashman who's like, hey, and you get $70 million, and you get $70 million. And it's like, what are we doing here? What are you doing there? Because the moves aren't working out. I mean, that Hicks deal it probably has to go down in, in one of the worst deals in history. I mean, or, or how about is it the, the Jacoby Ellsbury deal? How about that one? Maybe that's worse. I mean, yes, Cashman hasn't been perfect. And Hal hasn't given him the, the money to, to, to do it. But the deals that he has done has, haven't been great. And listen, we could talk about this. We're, we're going to beat a dead horse here. Brian Cashman is the guy moving forward. Basically, they've told you that. I think he's got one year left on his current deal with the Yankees and and but but by hiring Boone long term or are you going to arrange a marriage between the manager and the next GM you're not they're staying together for long term and that's it the biggest knock i have on on Cashman is the fact that behind Garrett Cole you've got another oh you got a bunch of question marks a bunch of them why aren't the Yankees in the conversation for any of these top guys? The Scherzers, the Gosmans, the Robbie Rays. Why have I not seen the, the name Yankees in any of these tweets? It's always been Mets, Cohen, with those names. Right? Fair? Am I, am I being fair here? Edwin in Florida. You're up on the fan. Yes, how you doing, Daniel? First time on your show. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Welcome. Yes, cool. Um, I think you run a really pretty tight shift here on your show. Thank you. I, I usually hear you overnight, uh, yeah. but this is this is rare in the mid, mid, mid midday, like not midday but mid afternoon. Yeah. But my point on your on your what you're saying there with the Yankees, uh, why they're not in the show? Um, yeah, I think the lockout has a lot to do with that. Um, also, keep in mind, I'm not a Yankee fan. First off, mm-hmm. um, keep in mind also, uh, I think the Yankees will be, you know, once the lockout ends, I think they'll be pretty active as well. Um, I don't know. Of course, how? Well, how is not George? Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. That, that's um, for George, sure. George George Steinbrenner was in for it for the you know he didn't really he's like Cohen. I, I mean, almost like a Cohen, I would say. Yeah. Um, but back to the Mets. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, I think on the managers thing, I think Brad Osmus would be great. Yeah, it's another good um, one. Mm-hmm. Not not only because Billy worked with him um, in, in Anaheim, I believe. Uh, but also, I think he's that rah-rah type of manager. Um, yeah, he's into the analytics. He's one of the uh, younger coming managers, which, you know, that's another story. Um, with the, is why there's no old guys. You know, Dusty Baker, probably the only one, and Tony La Russa. But um, uh, I think he'd be a rah-rah type of uh, guy. I think uh, the team should be built around a manager like that um, with Nemo. And, uh, yeah. you know, Marte now brings a little speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as far as the bias situation, um, I'm, I'm good with it. If he, I'm, I'm a big fan of his and I, I you know, I know how you feel about him, <laughs> but, um, 
I think I think he brought a lot of energy, even though he the thumbs down and all that was was a bad move. I mean, again, he's 27 years old, 28 years old. Um, you know, we all make you know we all make mistakes. Yeah, at that age especially. Um, but um, I think he learned from it. You know, and um, you know, but if you're gonna save the money on him, then go get the pitching. Go get Scherzer. Yeah. You know, throw him 95 million for two years or three years. You know, two years I would say. Yeah, two. And see if he bites at that. And, yeah. and Gosman, I would stay away from him. He's kind of a funny guy. I would stay away from um, him too. Billy Ray as well. I mean, he's only had really one really good year, I would say. Wait, Billy Billy a, Ray, the singer? I mean, not Billy Ray. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie, Robbie Ray. Robbie yeah. Ray. Um, uh, he was a Met product, actually. He was uh, in the farm system for the Mets, and I think they traded him. I forget for who now. But um, he was once, a, uh, you know, in the minors for the Mets. But he only had the one one year wonder, you know. So, I mean... Uh, who knows? You yeah. know, so I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna save on bias, then go out, go all out for Scherzer. Yeah, hell, bring in Kershaw, bring in Kershaw too. <laughs> oh, not, no. you know? let's just take the entire save Bauer. Let's just take the entire Dodgers pitching staff over here in New York. They have the best one in the league, in my opinion. Edwin, thanks for the That's call. Right. Appreciate it. Um, if you're looking at the three that he named, Scherzer, Gosman, Robbie Ray. I'm going Scherzer, green light all day long. Robbie Ray, I'd go like yellow light, and I would stop dead in my tracks on Kevin Gossman. The reason being, I'm looking at the the ERA prior to and after the crackdown of Spider Tack. Before it for Kevin Gossman, he was a 1.51 ERA pitcher. After it, 3.96. Okay? That's something to keep at the forefront. Of your minds when you're, we're talking about Kevin Gossman. And, and you know what? Michael Strahan is having quite the month. He just turned 50 year, years old a couple days ago. He's getting his 92 retired tomorrow. And in exactly two weeks or so, a little less, Michael Strahan's going to be going to space. On December 9th, he's going to serve as an honorary guest on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin flight. How's that, everybody? Uh, what do you think? Give me your best Michael Strahan uh, moment and he ha- he was a little salty about having his jersey retired uh, a little too late, in his opinion. We'll get to that. Come right up on The Fan. The Fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. to Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan. I don't have dinner with me here. I didn't bring anything to eat with me. I have a little bite. So it be my little snack. I'll get some food on the way home, on the drive home. What are you eating? What are you having for dinner tonight? I'm curious. Leftovers? You guys still having leftovers from Thanksgiving? I know I was on on Thanksgiving Day, but if you're just tuning in for the first time since then, happy Thanksgiving to you, everybody out there listening right now in your cars, in traffic. I hope I'm making it a little bit better for you guys, um, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Just talked about Michael Strahan. Uh, he's getting his number 92 retired tomorrow against the Eagles at halftime. I, I don't think they're showing it on TV, but on I, the Giants app, Giants.com, I think they're going to have a live stream of it, which is pretty cool. I'll probably check that out. But, I mean, Michael Strahan, that might be the next jersey I get, an authentic Strahan jersey. What do you think? That's a good one. That is a good one. With a little red uh, at the at the V, you know, at the collar, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. But anyway, he's been sending out some mixed messages uh, about his retirement tomorrow, his jersey retirement. On Twitter, he's sticking to the company line. He's saying, this Sunday, 
I have the extreme honor to head to MetLife Stadium to have 92 officially retired by the Giants. 15 years of representing the team on and off the field, closing out my career. The Super Bowl went by in a flash. This didn't help him. It didn't happen without a lot of help. End quote. That was Twitter. After Strahan was inducted to the Giants Ring of Honor in 2010, on Giants.com the other day, he had a little bit of a message to ownership about his jersey being retired. He said, I would have honestly expected it a long time ago. This is Giants.com, by the way. He said, Strahan said, I've been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for seven years now. All of the things that I did with the Giants, I would have expected it a little bit sooner. End quote. Well, he does have a point. So if you're going to be there at the game tomorrow, I want you to give me a call. I'm sure you're going to be cheering for Strahan. Will John Mara show up? Will he, you know, will he be, will you be booing John Mara if he's even there? Will he be there? He's got to be there. Are you going to give him a piece of your mind? Tell me, 877-337-6666. And probably the best Michael Strahan story I have for you is me and my mom went to, and I know she's listening right now, we went to a taping of Kelly and Michael. They're in the audience, and on the commercial break, him and Kelly kind of come around and, uh, you know, interact with the audience. My mom loves Michael Strahan. She said, oh, my God, Michael, can I shake your hand? So he's like, yeah. He leaned in. He shook her hand. He took a picture of her. It was so funny. So th- that's my best Michael Strahan uh, story. That has nothing to do with what he did on the football field, although he was a warrior on the football field. My best Michael Strahan story is uh, is with him and my mom on, on the set of Kelly and Michael. <laughs> there you go. I know my mom's probably texting me right now. She's a one-finger typer, so it's going to take her a while. All right, let's go back to the phones at 877-337-6666. Corum, New York. Ken, you're up next on The Fan. Yeah, how you doing? What's up, uh, Ken? Yes, yeah, Steve Cohen has put his money, his mouth, money where his mouth is, and that's great. Yeah. The next thing I'd like to see him do is take a stance and just not let Cano play and not pay him and see where it goes. He broke the contract, not the Mets. Hmm. Yeah, and you're right about that. I'm, I'm looking at the contract, and Ken, that, that's a good point there because a lot of people are forgetting that Robinson Cano is kind of back in the shuffle here. He's he's done with his suspension. I would like to see where that goes as well. We'd have to ask Amy Dash, our, our legal analyst. Sometimes she listens. So, Amy, um, if, if you're hearing this right now, maybe I can send you a message. What's the deal with, with Robinson Cano? Can the Mets not pay him moving forward? And, and, and like he just said, what Ken just said, just, you know, see what happens. Because in the year 2022, he's owed, I'm going to round down on this one, $20 million. And also, too, next year, $20 million. That's a lot of money. For what? Or does Cohen just say, here's the money, shut up and go away? Or would Robinson Cano be on this team in some sort of capacity moving forward, like on the roster? I hope not. I hope not. But, again, you never know. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen what he looks like. I haven't seen him in the cages. I haven't been able to evaluate him. Maybe. I don't know. I, no one knows. that. That is a big wild card moving forward. And, Ken, that's a great point. But everybody, please don't forget that Robinson Cano is set to come back and be ready for spring training this year. Spring training this upcoming, well, February, March. Fabian in Brooklyn, you're up next on The Fan. Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. Of course, thanks for making it. Um, I want to I say uh, thank God uh, the NHL has given the New York Islanders some much-needed time off. Because now that that they have uh, the COVID-19 and players missing, mm-hmm. but plus the injuries and the fact that they had to play on the road for all those games, um, since they're playing in a rough sport uh, to begin with, after being hammered to the point of desperation, 
uh, the players are only going to want to fight back. And I mean that literally, like they're going to they're gonna want to cause harm to the other players on the other team. So it's only going to look uh, uh, get ugly. And from a spectator's point of view, it'll be comical. So thank God the league has, has paused the game. Yeah. The, the problem I have with that, though, Fabian, is, and I'm trying to figure out, I haven't heard anything, are the players vaccinated or not, and, and what happens? And, and I do not want to get into this debate right now about vaccinations and stuff, but you know what? I mean, that that I think, I think that, and I had this stance when it happened, when, when, when all of everything went down. If you're going to, especially now, have to postpone games due to vaccination issues or, or COVID issues, you should have to then take an L for those games, in my opinion. I think. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about like Mighty Ducks over here. Or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it, and, and I'm glad. And I'm glad that the league stepped in finally. I mean, Casey Sizikis tested, uh, or well, entered COVID protocols today, Saturday, just a little while ago, and that that meant that the, the Islanders are going to have be without eight of their regular skaters. So yeah, I get it. And I'm not getting into vaccination debates on a sports show, but there really is no excuse at this point in time to have a whole, a whole, you know, eight players on a, on a single team out. So I think they should be L's, you know, take the time away, but any game in between is an L. But that's just me. I, I see things in black and white. I don't really like gray areas, and this is very gray. This is a very gray area. And again, do not call. He is not going to take your phone calls. We got Rosenberg behind the glass here. He is not taking your phone calls on, on COVID stuff. Not so, happening. Real quick, uh, there's one active NHL player that's not vaccinated. That's Tyler Bertuzzi of the Red Wings. And he's the only everyone one. Everyone else is vaccinated uh, in the league. 99.9% of the league. Yeah, everyone's vaccinated on the active roster. It's right as of, like, I think... A week ago, except for Bertuzzi on the Red Wings. So everyone that's that's in COVID protocol on the Islanders, they're all vaccinated. With the Senators, they had an issue. They were all vaccinated. The hmm. Sharks had an issue early in this year. They were all vaccinated. Do you know which one, by any chance, that they got? Say that one more time, sorry. Do you know which which vaccination they got? No, that no. that that they just know that they were all vaccinated. Huh. I, I I mean, I guess the scuttlebutt is most of the athletes got the Johnson and Johnson because it's one shot, you're done. Right. Yeah. All right, well, well, that's new. That's a new information to that, that conversation. So then, you know what, I kind of take it back then because they've done all they've de- possibly done to pr- protect themselves, and, and, it, and it happened anyway. Right, it happened anyway, and so. it's happening way more in hockey than in the NBA right now, way more in the NFL right now. And again, I, maybe that's because close locker rooms, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But at one point, the NHL has to look into why this mm-hmm. is going on. There's also the Olympics that are going on, and they want to go to the Olympics, and that's a whole like another story if you're an <laughs> NHL fan. Yeah. So a lot going on with that. Yeah. All right. Well, then that's that. So then I'm glad the NHL stepped in, and I, you know, you just educated me on that. So so then fine, I'm okay with that then, because again, because they've done everything they possibly could have done, and it still happened. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh, Ohio. Mike in Ohio, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, great. Into uh, an 11-hour drive back to South Bend from New Jersey. Second uh-huh. time calling the show today. Oh, awesome. Well, well I'm so, glad to keep you company. Yeah, I, re- I really like where the show is gone. As far I'm a diehard Mets fan, mm-hmm. and with blowing past the salary cap, I really like the signings. You know, yesterday and with taking Scherzer. I would love to see that happen, and Strowman, he would be like my number one, and then go to Scherzer, but what do you feel about Castillo from Cincinnati? 
I haven't so, heard his name brought up yet. Yeah, and guess what? I, I, I was kind of thinking about him, too. There was a tweet or something that I had read. I forget where. I don't know who it was or what. But I believe that he is absolutely off limits, says the Reds. He is off limits. Forget about it, is what I've, really? what I've heard. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was on the free agent market. No, let's see. Luis Castillo. Unless that was a, a rogue tweet that, that, I, uh, that I had there. Let's see. Oh, Luis Castillo. I uh, just want to get this right. Let's make sure this is right, everybody. Okay. But I did, I did, I thought I saw that on Twitter that he, they were not entertaining it. Yeah, he's he's got 2022. He's on the Reds. He's got an arbitration year next year, and then in 2024, he's an uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's part of the Reds. Yeah. yeah ne- never mind that. Unless they want to trade, take JD Davis and Jeff O'Neill for him. <laughs> the whole no, team. Please, please take them off our team. Yeah, th- these red pitchers are rumored to be off limits in trade talks, and he is listed as one of them. Yeah, I knew I heard, I knew I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for having me on, and I love listening to your show. Oh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, and safe driving all the way to South Bend. All right, thank you. <laughs> That's cool. Actually, I, at the game last night, I ran into one of the fathers of uh, one of my former students. I wrote her letter of recommendation. She went to to Notre Dame. She's graduating this year. That's cool. A little tie in there, but yeah. So hey, Marissa. Hey, I don't want to say your last name. Hey, Marissa. All right, let's go to Copenhagen, Jimmy. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Jimmy? Um, it's a pretty quick story, but it's about Brady and Joe Klecko. Okay. Tom Brady and Joe Klecko. Do you know, um, they both were six-round draft picks. And Klecko was a superstar on the Jet Sack Exchange. Mm-hmm. And why he's not in the uh, Pro Bowl is beyond my understand. He's the only guy that ever made Pro Bowl at three different positions Mm -hmm. on the defensive line. Mm -hmm. NFL sacks later in 1981, yep. It goes beyond that. Mm -hmm. You you know about the crack back block? About the what? The crack back block. When it was instituted. No. Well, when Klecko came up, he was a sixth-round draft choice at, at a temple. And Bledsoe's father was the defensive end for New England. And they took Klecko out with a crackback block. And that's when they put it into, uh, made it official that you can't do that anymore. And Klecko went on to become all pro at three different positions. Mm -hmm. And why he's not in the Hall of Fame, I don't know. But my story is, Mo Lewis took out Bledsoe's father uh, son, I mean, son, when he was quarterback of New England. Right. With a hit. And that's when Brady got his start. Right. You, do you remember that? or you? I do. I actually, I actually talked with Drew Bledsoe about that hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. But why is he Klecko in the Hall of Fame? He's the only guy ever to make all pro at three different line positions on the defensive line. And, and, and they... They're keeping him out of the Hall of Fame because he got involved in a car scandal. I, I'm not going to, I don't know the details. Yeah, I don't know really anything about that, Jimmy. And I think it's a really good question. I think he's an excellent player, of course. And I don't know why. I don't know why that Joe Klecko is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's a great question. I don't know. And it's every single time that, that the ballot comes out and all that, this is a discussion every single time. I know, I get it. I get it. And you know what? I, uh, I think I'm going to make some people sick when I say this right now, but I have finished 
my Christmas shopping for my main people, my immediate family. Two of the three gifts have to do with sports, and one of them was alerted to me by a loyal listener. So this is relevant to this show. I'm also not a really good secret keeper or a good liar for that matter. I just get so excited. I just want to give the presents as soon as they come in. As soon as I get them, I want to give them. So if you keep it a secret, I'll tell you what I got for them. And maybe it'll inspire you too. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan, 877-337-6666. Be part of the show. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to Danielle at Dinner Time here on WFN Radio here in New York City. On this beautiful Saturday, where are you going? Where are you coming from? Where are you going to? I'm always curious to see where, where everybody is at this point. You know, I, I just teased it, and I, I told my parents to turn the radio off. I want my brother to know. Um, I have finished my Christmas shopping for my entire immediate family. I am a planner, and yes, it's already done. Finito. Finished. So if you come close, I'll tell you what I bought them. Because I'm, I'm just so excited to give it to them. And if you can keep a secret, then just change. If you can't, listen, here's, here's what we'll do. If you can't keep a secret, change the channel for the next 20 seconds and then come right back, okay? Here we go. For my dad, I bought him a Saturday night dinner party ticket with Big Blue Travel for when we go to L.A. to see the Giants-Chargers game. Mm-hmm. He knows about that already, though. And for my brother, he does not know about this. My brother, the assist, goes to a loyal fan of the show, David Levinstein, I hope you're listening. David alerted me to something that we've talked about on air before, not so long ago. David, the other day, tweeted me to tell me that the Packers were set to sell sell shares of the team for the first time in 10 years and for the sixth time ever in team history. I didn't know it, so thank you to David because I waited online for 90 minutes or more, maybe even a little more, to buy a single share in the Green Bay Packers for my brother, a diehard Packers fan. So it was 300 bucks. I don't have that kind of cash. So I actually split it with my parents for him. And we'll probably have to get the certificate framed. And I can't wait to give it to him. Like, this is going to be the biggest. I can't wait to give it to him. I can't. I don't think I can make it till Christmas. It's like a month away. I can't do it. And for my mom, she doesn't like sports, but she loves Tom Brady. But she also loves home goods. So I bought her a nice home goods gift card. So she loves getting lost in that store. So you have to keep all of that a secret. Okay? Okay? Okay. Thanks. So thanks to uh, David Levenstein, too. That was that was awesome. My brother is now a single share owner of the Green Bay Packers. I almost bought one for myself because that's just so cool to say, like, hey, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm an owner of the team. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't, though. I'm not a Packers fan. He is, so he's. I hope he likes it. He better like it. He better like it. All right, we'll go to the phones. 877-337-6666. And I'm just looking on TV, and they, they have the Michigan and Ohio State players are fighting before halftime in the, in the tunnel. Oh, man. All right, to Washington Heights we go. Hector, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Thanks for taking the call. Of course, thanks for making it. Um, before I get into my little thing on the Mets, I got a question for you, Daniel. I, I missed the answer, and, I, and it's a question that Vernon asked you one time. I think it was on the overnight, and then you've been all over the place. Was it about I, the number I, of players on the field? Yes, I never got the answer. <laughs> oh. It's been 
still didn't be like, what was the answer to that? What was the answer? Oh, I forgot the answer. Oh, Hector, don't kill me. Uh, Hector, here, here's what you do. Email me. I have it in my email. Vernon and I also talked about it off air on email. Email me and I and I have the answer for you. Okay. Can you do that? Gotcha. Gotcha. I'll okay. Do, do you it have my email? It's just Danielle McCartan I, at Odyssey.com. Okay. One more time. Danielle dot McCartan at Odyssey.com. Gotcha. I got you. I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. No, um, and, I, I, and I got you. Don't worry. No, no problem. Thank you. Now, on the mess, this whole mess thing and these signings last night and just the whole direction. Like, you know, I'm a huge Mets fan. You may or may not know, like, probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> and last season, like, that's a real sour taste in my mouth. You know, just the whole way the season played out. Mm-hmm. You know, the fire's coming over, the thumbs down, all that nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, then you get into the off season and the whole GM search, president search, and managers or whatever's going on. And, and it just looks like a mess for a while and they're trying to get up there and, so just waiting and trying to have an open mind, but like I said, with a very sour taste in my mouth, um, and just not happy with the team. So they get to the signings last night, and at first, you know, I, I was like, whatever. It's like, whatever. What is this crap? You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really mean anything. Who are these guys? Like, it's not something that's, like, impactful in my eyes and, and whatever. So I went to bed. It's like disgusting. <laughs> and then I wake up, and I see they signed Marte, and I've always been a Marte fan, so that kind of, like, Okay, that's cool, but <laughs> okay. yeah, maybe two, three years late. I don't know. All right. So, you're, so you're, the, you're the big name guy. You're the big fish guy. I'm sorry? You're the big fish guy. You're looking for the big fish. Uh, you got one. It's Marte. I, like, I'm not, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that because someone's looking for a big fish. It's just like maybe they would, like Marte, that Escobar guy, and, and if you go and bring back Conforto, like that would make, make me happy. Like, not happy, but like, I would be content with that. I see someone like Montana, and, and to me, it's like, and I don't know much about him, but just glancing at the numbers, I I, I, I would see maybe a regression coming to City Field because all hitters mostly do. And, and is he another one of these guys that's just like, you know, home run or strikeout? And I don't really like that. He's and not. And we're going to stay with that philosophy. You yeah, know what no, I'm saying? Like, he's I not. Feel like I, and I've been frustrated with Conforto. Mm-hmm. I've been one of those fans that's been frustrated with the inconsistencies and all that. At the same time, I feel like it's more of a philosophy thing. And he's just been screwed up more with that. And I, I, like, I don't know, man. So now, you talk about big fish? Go get shirts. So yeah, now, yeah, you now you're talking that's now, the, Hector. That's the big fish. That's the big fish that I'm like, yeah. That's so the one. To, to save money for that. And, and I read an article where it's, you know, they're going for defense now, so maybe entice pitching. That sounds good. I just want to see it. Again, I'm trying to keep an open mind, but I, uh, I've just been disgusted. Oh, I Hector. really have. Oh, Hector. I think that, I hate to break it to you, though. I think the Michael Conforto ship has sailed. Uh, Kana, I mean, listen, he, he's obviously not a big-name dude. I think the deal is a little bit too much money, I'll be honest, but you're getting a guy that plays all three outfield positions and first base, and he gets on base. And... It's very, very slight. And I said this in the open. It's very slight. I mean, by five hundredths of a point we're talking, he has a higher on-base percentage since 2019 than Aaron Judge. I told everybody, you can use that in in your bar talk tonight. Mark Kana has a higher on-base percentage than Aaron Judge since 2019 by point, uh, by f- no, point zero five, which is five hundredths of a decimal point. Going back to grade school here. But yeah, you can use that. You can use that tonight. You have my permission. You don't even have to cite me. You don't even have to cite your source. But um, the, the philosophy makes sense. It's just, you know, tightening up the defense in order to attract 
a big-name pitcher. And, of course, the, the, the Jets, the Mets, are doing everything that they can to attract a big-name pitcher. And if you're looking at the top three, Scherzer, Gosman, Ray, Scherzer, number one, Ray, number two, Gosman, number three, for me, that is. Two, in the order that you called, Connecticut and Wilson. You're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. We're uh, I'm in the car with my family. Uh, we're actually going to go to a Giants game tomorrow. Oh, hey we're to the good. family. Enjoy the game. Bundle up. We're excited to see Strahan being retired. Yeah. Um, we're not going to. We're not going to Mara. Mara. I don't. Have, there's no ill will with him. I think he did a. I think he's a. He's a good owner. Um, but that's not the reason, Clyde. I just want to get your take on Gettle. I, I mean, I know he's been getting bashed lately, but some some of his things, I think it's um, addition by subtraction. I mean, he made some moves with uh, Beckham. I, I thought that was the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, in the draft, everybody, I think most Giant fans, uh, wanted uh, the Jets. QB, I was uh, Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. but we passed on him, and he, yeah, he, yeah, he's you know that pick is struggling um, with the running back, but I'd rather have him than Sam right now. So some of the moves he made, I like. I, I, I just kind of see your opinion on him. I know, and you know, and, and that's a good question there, Wilson. And and how do I say this? There's positives and negatives to all general managers. We've been talking about Brian Cashman tonight, of course. Billy Epper just got on the job, so we really can't give him a sound assessment just yet. Um, Dave Gettleman. (sighs) Ultimately, I see him, I see the Giants parting ways with him. Ultimately, I do. But when you look at what, see, I think, see, okay. Dave Gettleman was better in free agents, was a better GM in acquiring free agents than he was at evaluating draft talent. And I think that's a fair statement to make. Because when you look at this Giants defense, I mean, Martinez, go through the list of all the free agents that he signed. They were all, I think, good signings. He locked up one of, if not the best kicker in the game long-term for you, Graham Gano. People people forget about that. But as far as drafting-wise, see... The problem was that the Giants thought they were still in it to win it when they drafted Saquon Barkley. So at the time, I thought it was the right pick. But it hasn't been. I thought Kadari, I didn't like the pick of Kadarius Tony. I didn't like that he didn't address the offensive line. I didn't like, speaking of free agents, I didn't like the deal he gave to Nate Solder. So you can pick and choose and point in this and that and yes and no. Ultimately, I think Dave Gettleman is a goner at the end of the season. And now you're looking to Joe Judge, who has a scouting background, who I would trust as a scout, as a talent evaluator, more than I would trust Dave Gettleman. I think with the the Giants need to find, again, we're talking pendulum swingings, I think the Giants would need to find somebody that is less old school and more new school, statistics-wise, to pair with these sort of kind of old school mentality of, of Joe Judge, if that makes sense. So if they swing all the way to the other side and go analytics... And pair him with an old school kind of guy in, in Joe Judge, I think that would be the perfect marriage. So ultimately, yes, I think Dave Gettleman will be out of a job at season's end. I think they will wait till the end of the season to do it. Just because. I mean, why do it now? I mean, there's no no moves to be made now, you know. 
So, um, and I know that's like a really long-winded uh, sort of answer there, but but that's kind of how I see that going. Let's go to, uh, in the order that you called, let's go to the Bronx and Douglas. You're up next on The Fan. Danielle, hello. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> I uh, want to bring up a name that you frequently mentioned back in the summer, Adam Frazier. Uh, earlier today, he got traded to Seattle. Yeah, um, I saw that. Came from, yeah. Um, was that a name that... Uh, I know you wanted him for the Yankees. Yeah. Is that a name that you would uh, be interested in for this offseason for the Yanks? Uh, well, it depends, though. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, variables with this Yankees team because when you look, you go around the diamond. I'm just picturing it in my head. Rizzo slash Olsen at first base. Okay, Glaber Torres. Second base. He, he's a better player when he plays second base defensively. Okay. Shortstop, who's it going to be? Seager, I hope, I think. And you got Urshela at third base. Now, how this shakes out, I'm not sure because you pointed out he, he does have a one-year deal. He is Adam Fraser, an unrestricted free agent um, after this one-year deal. I would, I would still kick the tires on him. Yes, I would. Yes. Okay. I think yeah. he's a, well, he, I think he just represents the the anti Yankee, the anti home run. You know, we've talked about it before, you know. Contact hitter. Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, my uh, I got a point about the Jets. Yeah. Um so uh Rex Ryan is now a Robert Salah fan. <laughs> um, All of a sudden. All of a sudden, he goes, yeah, he, he called them up. He said, oh, mm-hmm. the guy's got a great plan. They mm-hmm. got it right. And then, of course, they lose uh, later that day. But um, <laughs> I want to get your take on a quote that Robert Salas said yeah. after last week's game. What did he say? He tells the media that 90% of the games in this game are lost, not won. This one was lost. And, um, well, I could say for a statistical certainty, 50% of the games are lost in the NFL. <laughs> oh, no, a smidgen. A smidgen less because of ties. But, uh, but um, the 90%, again, I, it's not necessarily that it's all, this is a, a bad quote from Rabbi Sala, but it just, it just lends, to, for me, to the aspect that it's just another lost season for the Jets. It's just yeah. another bad thing to hang your hat on. But I don't know what's your take on that type of statement yeah, by was- Robert you know, I, I saw the quote, too, and I kind of scratched my head, too, when I, when I saw it. Listen, the Jets were not making the playoffs this season. They were not. Let's Okay, let's put that out there. But the quote, yeah, it was something along the lines of 90% of the games are lost, not won. And I think he was just trying to, and I don't know the context in which it was said. I did see the quote, too, myself. Um, I think I think he was just kind of commenting on, like, the, just the competitive level of the NFL. Like, all of these teams are good. It's basically the first team to make a mistake will lose the game, I think. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's kind of how I would take that out of context. I could be wrong. Um, if, if anybody has the full quote, uh, you can go ahead and tweet it to me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and, and we could take a look at it there. But I think, I think that's kind of what he was getting at. And also, I'm, I'm on Instagram, too. Well, I've been now I'm pumping the Instagram, Coach McCartan on Instagram as well. Anthony's here in the studio, ready to give you an update, coming up next on The Fan. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey Siri, play WFAN. Welcome back. 
to Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 7.20 p.m. The Brooklyn Nets pregame comes your way then. We've got, for the Giants fans, John Marks, co-host of the afternoon show at Sports Radio 94 WIP, our sister station in Philadelphia, coming your way in about 19 or 18 minutes. You know I love getting the, the other team's perspective on uh, – on all of the football games, you know, the important ones, the rivalry ones. Um, and Brian Rescona is is exiting the building. Good job, Brian. Thank you very much. And now you've got Paul Rosenberg behind the glass taking your calls through the rest of the show. And uh, I don't know, I guess with the Giants playing on Monday Night Football this, this past week, I think it's kind of like a good juncture to finally ask the question, are you a fan of the Peyton and Eli Manning cast? Like, do you only watch that? Do you avoid it? Or is it like a hybrid situation in your house? Because, I don't know, I tuned into the first Manning cast. It was really, eh. I mean, it, it was completely disorganized to me. Bad, awkward timing, stupid stories. And it really was not about dissecting football. So I decided to tune back in with the Giants against Brady's Bucks. And, I don't know, I just I noticed that each of them, both Peyton and Eli have a much nicer setup in their houses this time. And it was more commentary directly about the game and its strategy other than the other stuff or the stupid unrelated to football stuff. I, I did change it when uh, when they had the interview. I think it was Edelman this week. I, you know, I don't – I could deal without all of those guests. I, I think I think they're kind of starting to hit their stride. I mean, at least the parts that I saw anyway. I mean, that's – like the, the dissection and the questioning of the calls between the two of them, that's what I was hoping to tune in and hear and see and watch the first time around. And I was happy to see it the second time around. So there was a story. I did tune in when they had Josh Allen on. And I got to tell you, Eli Manning made me laugh out loud. I was watching the game and I laughed out loud because Peyton was telling Josh Allen how his son idolizes him. And his son's maybe like eight or so. His son idolizes Josh Allen. And, and here's the irony here. Like, your dad is, like, one of the best quarterbacks ever to have played the game, and you, you're idolizing Josh Allen. But Okay, here we go. I mean, Peyton Manning's kid even put, instead of Manning on the back of his jersey for his little league that he's in, it, it says Allen. Okay, so Peyton was telling Josh Allen all this. And then the broadcast team showed the candid picture. It's a candid picture of Peyton and his son, maybe 10 years old, maybe 9, 10, they're they're on like the sideline during a game and, and coach Peyton, Peyton Manning has a quarterback wristband on. And keep in mind the age group, like ten year olds. And what Eli Manning said made me like laugh out loud. Eli said, I think I got the quote right directly. And he said, You know how Eli talks, eh? So Peyton, why are you wearing a wristband as a coach? You can't memorize all those plays? I laughed out loud because I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, really, why is he a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, Peyton Manning, wearing a quarterback's wristband to coach 10-year-olds? That made me laugh out loud. I hope it made you laugh out loud, too. I think I'm a pretty good storyteller. Or you could be like my family when I said this to them the other day, and they were like, eh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, back to the calls. 877-337-6666 is the number. To West Haven, Connecticut we go. And, Jeff, you're up on the fan. Oh, gosh. Okay. I made it. Hey, you made uh, it. You're in. You're safe. All right. Awesome. I just uh, want to, you, you know, it's uh, funny. Your knowledge of uh, sports is unbelievable, especially when you talk about defensive outfielders that can shut down a, uh, yeah. the running game on the base pass, like mm-hmm. your judge and stuff. That That's like a huge thing that people don't talk about. Right. So, uh, 
Anyway, kudos to you for that. That's really awesome. Uh, And I'm so impressed with your uh, sports knowledge, especially baseball. So my other question was, would you consider, and I'm kidding, but I'm not really kidding, managing the Mets? I mean, because they... Me! (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. You you would be like, that would be such a mind blower. And if Steve Cohen's listening, he should really consider something like that because I think you could be awesome at the job. And I'm not even kidding. Wow, Jeff. Um, I, hey, if Steve Cohen's listening, uh, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, uh, Uncle Stevie, get on the horn or what? You know, I'm sure he's got like satellite phones and all that stuff. So yeah, a bunch of people listening for him, maybe. But and you're still funny and you're really awesome. Uh, I get a little nervous, a little crush on you, but I'm just. Oh saying, my uh, God, Jeff! Fan. Don't make this weird, Jeff. Come on, my family's listening. It's not weird. It's not weird. It's just a fan. You know, it's just a fan. But anyway, uh, you're you're the the, the, uh, the Mets are making moves, but. We, we need to talk about pitching. Yeah, got to get some pitchers. Yeah, and Jeff, now now I'm going to play GM. And, and yes, the, the, the Mets need pitching. Yes. Uh, I, and, and Marcus Stroman himself said on Twitter the other day that he doesn't think that, that the Mets are interested in bringing him back. I can't imagine why not. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think at the top of my list, provided that Jacob deGrom is healthy, right, and, and, and back to 100% after that mysterious sort of situation that happened last season. DeGrom is your one. Scherzer's your two. Stroman's your three. Get it done. Steve Cohen, if you're listening, get that done. Like tonight. How about in the next hour? That would be great. That'd be great for the show. No, seriously. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what I would do. And, and if, if if anybody came calling, asking if I was wanted to be manager of the Mets... Or, or part of a, or an organizational standpoint from e, for either team, you know, whatever. Uh, let's just say I am a uh, I'm a free agent. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, David in Bayside, you're up next on the fan. Hey Danielle, how are you? Hey, how's everything? I'm good. How What's are you? What's going on? Good, good, good to speak to you again. So, real quick, tell me how's the BJJ going? You top anybody out yet? No, not yet. I haven't been back to it yet. <laughs> I haven't been back. I did find a place a lot closer than Mayapak, though. But uh, they, they were great. Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu and Mayapak, they were great. But I did find okay. a place a lot closer. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, Stick though. Stick with it. Stick with it. You'll have some fun. Stick with it. But, um, so, hey, listen, I know it's been about two weeks, but yeah. have you spoken to Misha at all? Give me your thoughts. Did you see the fight? I saw the fight, and I have spoken to her, yes. Um... Well, it was messy. That that fight was yeah, messy. It was a uh, tough one. I yeah, told you, yeah, a lot of blood on that one. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was nasty. It was nasty. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I, I texted with her on. I'm just looking back on Wednesday because I didn't want to like bombard her right away. I gave her a couple. I waited for her to post on Instagram, yeah. and then I knew that was like the green light to talk about it. So I texted her on the day ne- the next day, Wednesday. Um, okay. Yeah, and it's just you know, I don't want you know. I don't want to say exactly no, what listen. she was saying, but she's good. She's great. Um, she took her stitches out herself, by the way, out of her eye, which I think was disgusting. Uh, but yeah, she's tough. She's, she's a tough. tough cookie. She definitely is a yeah. tough cookie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you know? No, let's Speaking, wait, speaking well, no, of being ahead. tough cookies, you know she gave birth to her son in the bathroom, uh, like, without any sort of anything? Do you believe that? <laughs> that is freaking, I, that's, I can't. That, that was, well. that's crazy. I was in the room when my wife gave birth to all three, so uh, I can probably say that's very tough because I've seen it in person. Oh, <laughs> so. oh, oh man! Oh God! Yeah. All right. And David. I remember it vividly. Oh, I'm sure um, you do. But hey, <laughs> I was there for all three. Um, 
But real quick, so, yeah, I'm glad you spoke to her. Give us some time. Listen, it was a tough fight, you know. I give her a lot of credit. Yeah. That one was tough. Yeah, it was definitely and, something uh, to build upon. She was a lot bigger than her, too. Yeah, well, you know, I think that was the deciding factor. Ketlin's 5'8", mm-hmm. and she's got a lot of reach. And you could see all throughout the fight, Misha was just having problems closing the range. Yep. Uh, she just couldn't get in. There was a time when she locked her up. She took it down. But you could see Ketlin was too big. She just got right back up on her. She couldn't yep. do anything with it. Um, but, you know, listen, Misha had her moment, you know, in the second round when she landed that front kick. Yes, I did see that. You know, that lands with a little bit more power on the button, man. That mm-hmm. kind of kick ends the fight. You saw that with Frankie Edgar at the Garden. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yep. So she lands that a little bit more square. You know, it could have been a fight changer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, though. I don't know if you saw the post-fight press conference and you were interviewing Ketlin. And she actually said that of all the people she's fought, Misha's wrestling was the biggest threat to her. Mm. Yeah, and well, Misha, she gave her a lot of props. Yeah, she started yeah. as a wrestler. She, uh, we talked about this, I think, before, but she tried out for the boys' yeah. wrestling team in high school and made it. So she started yeah. out as a wrestler. As a wrestler, I mean, that's her thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, um, but, you know, it didn't really go her way because she couldn't get it to the ground. But I will say this, though. Two of the judges had a 3-2 going, you know, yeah. for Catlin. So yeah. going into the fifth, that was even a 2-2. That was really anybody's fight. But again, I think you're right when you said that Catlin was just too big. And you could see in the last round she was using her size. Yeah, and, and, and David, good points there. And that was, that was the main thing I noticed between – as soon as the fight started, I was like, wow, she's a lot bigger than Misha. And she just – the reach with the with, – I guess they're called strikes, the jabs, the punches. The, like Misha couldn't get close. And every time she tried to get close – she got it in the face, and, and that's why her face looked like that. But she's good. She's reported that she she is good. She's ready. Um, and I just booked a trip to Vegas for April, so I'm hoping. I'm, I'm counting on my fingers the number of months. Maybe, maybe. I haven't asked her yet, but maybe. Maybe I'll get to see the fight live in person if there's going to be another one um, in, in April. Hopefully. Hopefully it aligns. It aligns, but we'll see. To Austin, Texas, we go. And Lawrence, you're up on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. It's been a, like a week since I talked to you. Yeah, it's been a while. What's up? Oh, it's been rough as a Giants fan. You know, I've been like in turmoil as usual. <laughs> and I've come, I, th- I think I finally come through a breakthrough, right? Um, but Daniel Jones, it's just his greatest consistency is just his inconsistency. So it, it's, it's kind of like he, he's not our guy, but I've accepted that we have bigger fish to fry. So I think he's going to be around for another year or two uh, if he's affordable. Yeah. But like going forward, He's not our guy. Like I have no confidence that he's gonna, uh, you know, lead this team yeah, but, into, into the playoffs and make a run ever. Lawrence, I, and I know you're a good caller here, and I'm, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, what, how could, how could you judge Daniel Jones on, on what you see there when he's had so much turnover uh, at the coaching level? When he's had all of these injuries, he has had virtually no running game over the past couple seasons. I mean, maybe you could be right, but but how are you able to to decide that like right now? Well, we, he's had a lot of opportunity to play, and it's not. This isn't his first or second year, you know, run, run, running an offense. And uh, this last primetime game, he had all of his weapons. Uh, and it's and when you look at the weapons and the the amount of touchdowns they have, like Tony has no touchdowns, Galladay has no touchdowns. I think it was something like we scored twenty touchdowns in like the last like two or like three or four years. It's just, but he's good. We need something better than that. It's just, it is what it is. All right, well, you know, okay. Good quarterbacks okay. Th- help teams win. Lawrence, let me ask you, and, and I agree with you. Good quarterbacks supersede a lot of things, okay, and, and win games. Who are, you, who are you taking? Who's your quarterback? If it's not Daniel Jones, who's the quarterback? Who is better than I'm him? Gonna be, 
Realistically, I'm going to be straight straight up with you. There is nobody in this draft class that is uh, is better than Daniel Jones. I, okay. I don't believe that to be the case. Okay. But I do hear a lot of talk about Russell Wilson. And you know what? Given maybe you see what we have to give up for him, I would be very happy to have Russell Wilson uh, lead this team because it takes leadership to change culture. And Daniel Jones isn't isn't helping the culture by losing. So bring Lawrence. Russell Wilson in here. Russell Wilson, a great, great idea there. Russell Wilson, right? He's complaining he doesn't have playmakers on his own team. What do you think he's going to say about the Giants offensive line? Come on. The guy's been going to be running for his life at, at an old age to play quarterback. And I know Tom Brady's really old at that point. But it's, it, Russell Wilson is not going to be a New York Giant. And right now, there is... Realistically speaking, no one better out there than Daniel Jones. So why not run it back with him for one more year? And even then, I'm not even sure. But at least you have a better barometer of where he's at. Get yourself an actual running game. Because I'll say it again. Daniel Jones is the prototypical, quote-unquote, quarterback of the future. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. I I, I just The Giants are not doing him any favors. I would like to see what he looks like when they finally open up the playbook and let him be him and not try to force an offense upon him. Cater the offense to his strengths and then see what happens. Paul in Floral Park, you're up next on The Fan. How are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are you, Paul? Good. Good. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, We could keep a secret with those uh, Christmas gifts. You you know, I'm good at that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, the, the, the Yankees. So, with the, where are we going with this? I mean, we do, we traded away our our trade value in Tyler Wade and and Andrew Velasquez. They're in Anaheim now. So, so yep. Yeah, we're gonna deal with Brett Gardner again. Mm-hmm. Oh, Probably. God. Get ready for it. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for it. Yeah. God, no, no. Yeah, I know, I know. I get it. I oh, get we gotta, it. Yeah, yeah. We got to try to try and uh, go, go for Corey Seager. Let's, uh, let's go out and get the guy. But, uh, you know, Brian Cashman's sitting on his hands. I know. And the doing, can can yeah, we check doing to see? Everything but the kitchen sink. I know. Is, know. is his landline plugged in? Is his phone charged, Paul? I don't know. That's a great question. Brian Cashman, the Mets are making all these moves. Where are you, Brian Cashman? To Elizabeth we go. Right before we go to John Marks here, James and Elizabeth, you're up next on The Fan. Danielle. Hey, hey, there you are. All right. Hey, James. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Okay. Uh, Listen, I want to talk about uh, Coach Gibbs. I'm sorry about what happened to him. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I'll let you go now. Okay, Danielle? Well, that was it? That's all you want to say? No, that's all. Ah, All right, James. Thanks. I appreciate that. Right. Bye. Have a good day. You too. Well, there it is. Can we do one more? You think we can do one more? Yeah, we can do one more. All right. Uh, uh, Brad, is this Alpine, New York or Alpine, New Jersey, Brad? Yeah, you got it. Thanks a lot for taking the call, Danielle. I appreciate it. New York or Jersey, though, Brad? Uh, Jersey. Ah, Jersey. Jersey. All right. That's my neck of the woods. All right. Where are you from? Dumont. Okay. Oh, we're neighbors. We are. We're down the hill, though. Um, Dumont's down the hill. (laughs) Um... I guess, you know, I was happy with the three moves that the Mets made yesterday, but, you know, I'm just confused by uh, by Stroman's tweet. It's like, because uh, last yeah. year I, I, picked, I picked up Dowson for my fantasy team, and he torched it. I thought I was getting the base, and it was right around the time that they started checking for the uh, for the pine car, 
and the gloves. And that's when, you know, that's when he turned into a pumpkin, like whatever, yes. you know, whatever he was doing. Yep. So if you look at if you look at all his games after that, he was a, he was a different pitcher. I right? did. And Brad, look at this: the ERA prior to that crackdown for the spider attack, Gossman was pitching to a one point five one ERA. After the crackdown, three point nine six ERA. That's a major red flag for me. I mean, they have what nineteen guys in their analytics department now. It's like how how are they not picking up on this? I don't know. Roman was very dependable. You know, he was healthy. He yep. could pitch in New York. So I understand taking Scherzer over Stroman. I get that, but. I really don't think Gausman's an upgrade at all. Over over Strowman, I, I see. I, I'm I'm under the the guys that you should be signing both. I, I want Strowman back on that team 100. percent And then it's then and then the question is who beyond that? And and I don't think Kevin Gosman is the answer there. You're right as you as you outlined. Yes. So, so I don't know. It, yeah, and I, and Ray, I'm also skeptical of him. You know, he, he had one good year. Before that, he was sort of uh, yeah. He was sort of a uh, not a. I don't know. He's a, he's a mystery. But I guess lefties do put it together later on in their career. Maybe he's maybe he's a case like that, right? I don't know, I, Brad. That's a good question. I don't know. And and of the three, the one we did not mention, you and I is, is Max Scherzer. I, if I were the Mets, I would be all in on Max Scherzer. And you know, some things I'm seeing on Twitter as I just see that Ke- MLB Kevin Gosman is trending, and so is Scherzer. Looks as though uh, there's mutual interest between Gosman and the Mets, which we knew about. And uh, Andy Martino, where did it go? Oh, God, I just lost it. Andy Martino is basically saying that um, this is, oh, this is the, this almost got me. The fake Anthony DeComo said there was a, there was a deal. I was like, <gasps> no, I don't know. I don't know. I can't find it. But basically saying that the, the, uh, that it could happen tonight, today or tomorrow. We'll see. We shall see. Coming up next, John Marks from Sports Radio 94 WIP is going to give us the Eagles' perspective on this giant game tomorrow. Stay tuned. I'm Dana McCartan with you on the fan till about 7.20 p.m. tonight. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to Danielle at Dinner Time. I love the alliteration here on The Fan in New York City. On the hotline, we've got John Marks, co-host of the afternoon show at Sports Radio 94 WIP, which is our sister station down there in Philly, down the turnpike in Philly. John, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us today. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. How was your Thanksgiving? How's the family? Everything's good? Uh, <laughs> yeah, good. Uh actually just came from my parents' house today, so this was our Thanksgiving uh, with them. So uh, you know how it goes. i got three little kids. So I just had the, the four-month-old screaming my entire ride home. Oh, no. So I'm, oh. Gl- I'm glad that I didn't have to make that call with you because we probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Oh, no. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're good. We got you, and we're good. So yes. a question. I guess the first thing that kind of jumped off the page to me when I'm looking at you know this game and seeing how it's going to go is, the Eagles rushed the ball 55-0 times last week. And I know I'm an outsider, but to me, if any of our teams did that, that would tell me that there is no confidence in the quarterback. What is the perception there in Philly on Jalen Hurts? Uh, that's not the perception of Jalen Hurts, although, I mean, it has to be reality, right? 50 rushes, 55-0, like you said, 5-0, 50 rushes. Um, some of them were were designed runs by the quarterback, Others were scrambles by the quarterback, so designed pass plays mm-hmm. by the quarterback. So it wasn't a true 50 rushes. Um, I'd say probably 45, which is 
like designed runs, which is extraordinary. Some of that does have to do, a lot of it does have to do with Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. But for whatever reason, the beginning of the season, Danielle, they decided they were going to come out and do the exact opposite. Throw, 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 throw. Which, listen, it's a passing league, but with a younger quarterback that was only in his second year that his M.O. wasn't as a pure pocket passer or a pure passer. He came out of Oklahoma as a second-round pick. He was a second-round pick in large part because they they weren't sure what type of a thrower he was going to be at the next level. So they passed, 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 passed. Finally, at some point, a couple weeks ago, they said, hey, we got to hit the run heavy, and they did it. It's worked very well. He went through through a period where he threw 31 passes over two weeks. So I feel like they're finding the sweet spot of how much he should be throwing. You're not going to see 50 rushes every week, but if it's if it's working and it's broke, don't fix it. And they had such a big lead against New Orleans last week. I think it was easy just to kind of pound the ball, don't make mistakes, don't have an interception where now it comes back to bite you and they get and the Saints get back in the game. What is the strength of this Eagles team? Offensive line, mm-hmm. um, run, run blocking offensive line. Jalen Hurts making plays with his legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Hurts not making plays with his arm. Uh, that, like that's a you know that's kind of when you look at Jalen Hurts, it's the intangibles of Jalen Hurts. It's the ability to keep plays alive, and he's a very very smart quarterback. Um, you know, even the running game, Miles Sanders, their starting running back, hasn't he's been hurt and he hasn't necessarily been great. And then they were going with Jordan Howard, who was on their practice squad, and Boston Scott, who's a giant killer, actually, Boston Scott. Yeah. But like they've been getting it done without having stars do things. Devontae Smith, the rookie um out of Alabama, who I know the Giants wanted, um, he's been very good. Uh, Dallas got at their tight end is pretty good, but they're stable with the offensive line. They can run the ball. And they don't turn the ball over. And that's kind of how they've been living and dying. Don't give the ball up. Run the football. And here's the other thing that they've been doing well with Jalen Hurts. In the red zone, they've been really, really good because Hurts is making plays with his legs. Yeah. He had three rushing touchdowns last that. week. Yep. So that's how they're doing it. Uh, the biggest weakness of the Eagles team would be what? Man, it's it's probably along the defensive line or, or the defense. The defensive line – when they can't get to the quarterback, they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. And the, the defense that, that the Eagles have been running, now it's changed a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and it's changed because I think they've been able to do it because the quarterbacks they've been playing haven't been great. And I think you're going to see the same thing with Daniel Jones this mm-hmm. week where what they were doing with Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes and even, even David Carr, um, or excuse me, Derek Carr, they were just kind of sitting back and let, letting everything happen in front of them yes. with two safeties back. And what, what Brady and what Mahomes and what Carr were doing were kind of dinking and dunking, taking five, seven, ten-yard chunks right down the field. Mm-hmm. So they, they stopped that from happening, but their defense still at, at, the, at, at their best is an average defense. Also, production from the wide receiver outside of Devontae Smith – they don't really have another wide receiver. Their, their first-round draft pick from 2020, Jalen Rager, has been a non-factor. And then they have a guy named Quez Watkins who is a big play uh, ability but isn't much of a volume guy. So outside of Devontae Smith, if you can bottle him up, they don't really have another wide receiver that does much of anything. John Marks, who also hosts an early morning Sunday show on CBS Sports Radio, joins us on The Fan. And speaking of Devontae Smith, a 2021 draft rewind here, based on – 
the play on the field. If you were to do the draft all over again, are the Eagles picking that very guy, Devontae Smith, that the Giants were rumored to be interested in? Um, if Micah Parsons was there, you would you would seriously consider doing that. Now, I don't know if the Cowboys, because the Eagles made a trade with the Cowboys and jumped the Giants, right? So I don't know if the Cowboys make the trade if you weren't going to take Devontae Smith. It's like they probably said, hey, as long as you're not taking Micah Parsons, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Micah Parsons looks like um, uh, you know he's going to be defensive rookie of the year, yeah. and he's going to be a perennial pain in the behind for everybody <laughs> that he plays. Yeah. But Devontae Smith's been very good. And, he, listen, he's not Jamar Chase. Um, I, I don't, maybe like him and Jalen Waddle are very similar. Mm-hmm. I actually think I actually think Tony uh, for the Giants looks like he could be a real find if he can stay healthy and they can find some consistency. Right. He looks like he has some real big playability. I like him, but Devontae Smith's been a very good pick for the Eagles. So maybe you know, maybe you don't know. M- Michael Strahan's getting his number ninety-two retired at halftime, and he had this to say, and this is a quote: "The most sacks I've ever had of any quarterback from any team is the Eagles. So if they boo." It's an honor. I'll take it as that. I always love playing the Philadelphia Eagles. They were always good for a few sacks a game. John Marks, how would an Eagles fan respond to that? Yeah, he's right. <laughs> it, it, it was it was such a great rivalry. So my co-host in the afternoon on WIP is Ike Reese, former Eagles linebacker, and it, like it's it's a. A lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans look at the Cowboys as being kind of the rival, and it's such a one-way rivalry because Cowboys fans look at the Redskins as being a rival. And I don't think anybody likes Eagles fans or the Eagles, but like it, with me, it's been like this. And with, with Ike's team, and he played against Strahan, and John Runyon went up against Strahan, and Donovan McNabb, and Brian Dawkins, and all those guys, they hated each other. They hated each other. And I hated Strahan. Man, I hated Amani Toomer, and Ike Hilliard, and Tiki Barber, and... Kerry Collins and Jim Fossil, and I could go down the list of judges. And that's just that era, Daniel. I mean, forget about during the Parcells era and Ray Hanley and Dan Reeves. And, I mean, I – I cannot stand the Giants, and Michael Strahan was 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 a pain in the behind <laughs> of Eagles fans. Because I mean, you know this he he's he's an all timer, yeah. and um, you know John. We were wondering if they were going to have John Runyon up there for it, just to kind of have him standing there as uh, as Strahan gets his number retired because he got he had so many battles against John Runyon over the years. Mm-hmm. And Strahan used to like to walk over towards the Eagles sideline and bark at the bench. He'd like to talk to the Eagles sideline after he got a sack. That doesn't cool. surprise me whatsoever at all. <laughs> John Marks, co-host on Sports Radio 94 WIP, every afternoon from 2 to 6 p.m. is here with us on The Fan Now. You know, uh, this week the Giants have said that they're going to have a collaborative effort in calling plays. I hate that phrase. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. Your thoughts on the collaborative play-calling effort of the Giants this week? Well, it's not Jason Garrett, right? I mean, I think that's really what they what they could have said was, yeah, it's not Jason Garrett, so we'll figure it out. Maybe, I mean, like, so I, I would assume or I would feel like if I was in New York and I was a Giant fan, it would be doom and gloom, screw this franchise, they're a disaster, blah, 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 probably because they are. But for this week, I feel like it gives the Giants and it gives the offense a little bit of the – Get out of jail free card at least for the week. Garrett's not there. Freddie Kitchens will do some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I expect some. I expect some creativity. You probably haven't seen uh, this year when, or really the last two years with Jason Garrett being the offensive coordinator. So I feel like that that maybe there'll be an extra little burst of energy or, or like a little bit of pep in the step yeah, from the offense. That always seems to happen, right? For a week. Yeah. Yeah. 
for a week. Look at the Raiders, right? Yep. Like the stuff happened with John Gruden, yep. and they were good for a couple of weeks. Then, then they lost three straight games. Mm-hmm. So you come back down to reality. But when, when I was talking about this game and I was picking the game on, on my WIP show, there were two factors why I was worried about this game. Or actually three. Yeah. One was uh, Garrett getting fired. Two was the fact the Eagles had an emotional big win over the Saints last week, and they're probably feeling good about themselves. And three, Michael Strahan getting his number retired. That just puts a little bit extra juice Mm -hmm. in the house, right? Like the players sense that and feel that. So, I mean, for those reasons, I think it's going to be a tough game. I was going to ask what part of the Giants are the Eagles concerned about, but how about this? Are the Eagles concerned at all about the Giants' rushing attack whatsoever at all? Um, I mean, they should be, right? Daniel Jones. I don't know. Daniel Jones has played well against the Eagles. I know it's not there in the win-loss column. I've been, I I went back and I looked, I'm like, all right, so they won one game last year against the Eagles, but that was a disaster of a team. And then that first game, they should have won, right? Like the the Giants should have won. That's, I think that was the game where Daniel Jones tripped over his own feet. Mm -hmm. When he was running uh, towards the to end, the zone. turf monster got him. What are you talking about? Tripped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Daniel Jones has looked good against the Eagles, right? Like I, I watch a lot of NFL, so I, so I, I know what Daniel Jones is. But if you just watched Eagles Giants games, you'd think Daniel Jones is a pretty good player. Um, but does the does the rushing attack? I mean, Saquon? No. Yeah. No. no I guess not. I mean, it. It's not that I think the Giants are a good team because I don't. But I think a division rival at home coming in these circumstances that we're in make them dangerous this week. What, uh, I guess, specific player matchup are you going to keep your eye most closely on, on tomorrow? Um, well, it's definitely the offensive line in, in pass protection. Uh, as I mentioned earlier with, uh, with the Eagles' offensive line, very good in um, very good in in run blocking, which I I think has also been something that is that has helped them that they haven't been having to drop back as much mm-hmm. in pass protection, but really they had they haven't been great and um, so I would say that I would say the left guard for the for the Eagles I guess he's still playing left guard there were there were some injuries there but Landon Dickerson their rookie from Alabama. Is um is, has been he's a monster. He's six foot six. He's like three thirty. Uh, he just mows people down. Jordan Mylot is next to him uh, on the offensive line. He's six eight and like three eighty. So if you're run blocking, they can definitely they can definitely get to you. But maybe like Leonard Williams and um and I, I guess the whoever the, the the outside linebacker is on that side. The ends in particular probably give me a little bit of cause for pause here from an Eagle standpoint. John Marks from Sports Radio 94 WIP joins us now on the fan. A self-proclaimed, this is according to your Twitter, hashtag Philly guy. So so Philly guy, knowing that you've watched pretty much every down of the Eagles this season, give us Giants fans some hope. How can the Giants win this game, Philly guy? Well, um, it, it comes down to a turnover or two. And, I, I mean, I guess I, I can't lie because I'd be disingenuous because I did pick the Giants to win the game on my, on my show, 23-20. to 20. Wow. Um, so I guess that would make me a non-Philly guy, right? Yeah, I just think it's, it's one of these weird weeks, right? We, we've seen this every, every week. It feels like every week in the NFL this year, and we always see it, but in particular this year where uh, the, the Dolphins beat the Ravens or the, the Washington football team beat the Bucks, or whatever it is, right? Like the, Jacks, the Jags beat the, the Bills, 
right? Like it feels like, and by the way, the Eagles aren't as good as these teams that I'm mentioning right here. Mm -hmm. It just feels like week-to-week league, ebbs and flows of a season. The Giants have been horrendous. They fire the offensive coordinator. Oh, it's so bad. It sucks. Look at the Eagles. They're now two games behind the Cowboys. And the NFL gets you every time. And I don't really know if there's an explanation for it other than that. I, I, I just think it's a, it's a tough part in the schedule. Because now the Eagles, Danielle, if you look at their, their remaining schedule, they have the Giants-Jets, bye week Washington football team, Giants and Cowboys, and, and Washington football team. So you have two against the Giants, two against the Washington football team, one against the Jets, and one against the Cowboys. The game against the Cowboys is the last game of the season, which may not matter right. if they've clinched. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is one of the easiest schedules in, 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 the, in the league. So you could still lose and still make the playoffs, but um, I feel like the Eagles may be overlooking the Giants a little bit this week. That's Ooh. my only that, – that's the only way I can explain it. Ooh. Well, with that schedule, it sounds like the Eagles are going straight to the Super Bowl. I mean, come on, can it get any easier? <laughs> we believe me, we took a lot of a lot of phone calls at the tail end of the week of people that that were suggesting that. Well, they know who can stop the Eagles' running attack. Look what they've been able to do. And I always I say this about everybody in the NFL: defensive coordinators will always find a way to stop an offense. Right? It's, it's a chess game, and it's a matter of how long it takes to stop it, and they'll stop it. I don't know about Patrick Graham, but we'll see. We shall see. So John, you, you don't sound very you don't sound uh, very confident about the Eagles losing. I, I I'm not. I, I don't want to give it away just yet because that's coming up just next. But I, I I I'm not confident in the Giants to win this game. I just I don't know. I think there's a lot of players out, and I think there's a lot of change that has happened over the past couple of days. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to respond to it. Honestly. I hope you're right. <laughs> well, I hope you're right. <laughs> All right. John Marks, co-host on the Sports Radio 94 WIP every afternoon from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Thanks so much for joining us, John. I appreciate you taking Thanks, the time. Thanks, Danielle. See you. Bye. And if, if you uh, if you wanted to catch his show, maybe Monday, maybe you want to listen in. Obviously, it's on the Odyssey app, so just it's free. Download it. And then um, you can go ahead and type in uh, WIP Sports Radio Philadelphia, and maybe the Giants get a win, and you'll hear all the Philadelphia uh, Eagles fans miserably calling up his show between 2 and 6 p.m. It's worth a listen. It's worth a shot. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Danielle McCartan taking you up right up to the Brooklyn Nets pregame show coming your way at 7.20 p.m. here on The Fan. Just had on John Marks from Sports Radio 94 WIP Philadelphia giving everybody the the Philadelphia Eagles perspective on this Giants-Eagles NFC East matchup tomorrow. He thinks the Giants are going to win the game. Let's see. I've, I've got, you know, the Eagles are 5-6. and six. They're coming up the turnpike to the 3-7 and seven Giants at the Meadowlands tomorrow afternoon. So, you know, I always like to check the injury report first. The Eagles have listed as out their running back, Jordan Howard. That's pretty big. But then again, the Eagles have figured out how to utilize this running back by committee strategy. So it may not really matter. But that's it for them, really, on the injury report. Then you look at the Giants. It's They still have Sterling Shepard listed as out. Kyle Rudolph and Kadarius Tony are trending towards being out. They're officially listed as doubtful. Saquon Barkley, John Ross are questionable. I mean, that's like a lot. That's a lot. And then Daniel Jones is coming off a really rough game against the Bucs. And when you look at and rank the quarterback rating stat, which, as you know, is a number to incorporate all of the important quarterback stats, 
The game against the Bucks was the fifth worst in Daniel Jones's entire, I know it's not that long, but in his entire career, it was the fifth worst game ever. That's bad. And throw on top of the fact, the fact that he was sacked twice, hit nine times, and it's, you know what, really hard to get comfortable back there, that's for sure. And for Barkley, too, I mean, last week he finished with a gross 4.2 yards per carry on only six touches, 25 yards, like, yeah, like that's disgusting. So, like, how did the Giants pull this one off? Well, if you're watching this and maybe you see this, maybe, I don't know, you know they're on the right track. If you see this in the game, the Giants are stopping the rushing attack of the Eagles. That's the only way they can win this game. The Eagles ran the ball 50 times, and John told you, John Marks told you, maybe about 45 design runs, but that's still a lot. Against the Saints, that's a lot. And to me, that, that tells me that they have no confidence in the quarterback's arm. Actually, Jalen Hurts, as he mentioned, ran three touchdowns in last week. And on the season, the Eagles are tied for the best, third best in the league in yards per carry, and they're second best in the in the league in rushing yards per game. So if the Giants can stop the Eagles' ground game, they have a real chance to win this game. And the good news is that they just did it against the Bucks last week. Giants defense only gave up 94 rushing yards and three and a half yards a carry. That's the key. Stop the run. Let Jalen Hurts beat you with his arm because I don't believe that he can. And the Giants' pass defense this season isn't bad, but it isn't good. They're like 14th in the league in quarterback rating allowed. They're tied for 8th in yards per attempt. So mix in the fact that Jalen Hurts isn't great, nor do I think he's the answer at quarterback for that team. The Giants might be working with something. But of course, over the past four games, Philly's 3-1, and one, they're coming in hot. And in those games, Hertz has a 93.4 rating and only one interception, which is uh, pretty good. Score prediction time, I, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. The Giants are three-and-a-half-point underdogs last I checked. I'm going Eagles 28, Giants 21. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they come out there on this Freddie Kitchens, you know, offense and – I don't know who's calling plays. Who It's a collaborative effort. I hate that phrase, but I just hope the Giants get out there and, and prove it to them and stick it to them. I hope I'm wrong. I'm going Eagles 28, Giants 21. I just, when I look at that injury report for the Giants, I just see too many variables on the offensive side of the ball, practice throughout the week, you know, who's in, who's out. And that 21, actually, that I'm giving the Giants, that 21 points for the game, it's just indicative of, of a number which is above their average on the season. I think the Giants average like 18.9 points per game on the season. I gave them more. That That's to account for the first time Freddie Kitchen's uptick. For me, it doesn't result in a win. It just results in like three more points per game. So I hope I'm wrong. Eagles 28, Giants 21. All right, in the order that you called, let's go Alex in Brooklyn. You're up next on The Fan. Alex. Oh, no, I hate to do He hung out through the whole interview. Oh, Alex. All right, give us a call. Get you right back on there, Alex. Alex in Brooklyn. When he comes back up, let's get him in right away, okay? Man, he held on through the whole interview, too. Uh. All right, Tommy in New Hyde Park. You're up on the fan, Tommy. Hi, Danielle. I call you all the time. I love talking to you. Oh, I love I talking to you, ask- Tommy. Well, Merry Christmas. Well, not yet. We got time for that, but but Merry well, Christmas. Well, well, no, well, past Thanksgiving, so Merry Christmas. <laughs> All uh, right, what do you got for me? Let me ask you about the Mets with Escobar and Mate, and I don't remember the other guy's name, 
uh, what do you think about that and what uh, uh, Michael Conforto, what happened with him? Yeah, well, Michael Conforto, Tommy, hasn't gone anywhere just yet. I think that experiment in New York is pretty much over. As I sit here in a in a yellow, yellow, in an orange Michael Conforto t-shirt, it's probably the last time I'm going to get to wear it before he signs somewhere else. I, I don't think he's going to be a Met. I think this all these deals in the past 24 hours kind of solidified that. So Starling Marte, star of the day, he is, he is, an, I mean, there is no understating the fact that he is an excellent get for the Mets. Huge, for huge free agent acquisition for the Mets, Starling Marte. I mean, he is the best true center fielder on the market this offseason. Two-time gold glove winner in center field. So, I mean, there's so much to like about him. I actually like the deal. Four years at $78 million. I actually like that um, number of years and dollar amount. I think I think it's fair. And, you know, Starling Marte said this, and my fans, you ready? He said, the Mets have it all. It'll be a great opportunity to play with them. They are in position to compete right now on a World Series. So this afternoon, being me, being curious me, looked, Mets are at plus 1,800 to win the World Series this year. The Yankees are at plus 1,000. I think the favorites were, if I remember correctly, the Dodgers, I think. They're plus 550, I think. But uh, guess who dropped some money on the Mets and the Yankees to win the World Series this year? Me. If Starling Marte thinks it, so do I. And then the other guys, you know, a little bit secondary and tertiary moves here, obviously. Eduardo Escobar, uh, I think two years, 20 million is a little much. Does give some versatility in the infield, though his, inf- though his glove is not not great. I think the switch hitting power bat is attractive. I think his strikeout rate is also attractive, which is under the league average. So he's one of those guys that kind of just kind of hits for average, which is good. You need those guys on the team. But Deshad Thosar said he's expected to play third base for most days for the Mets. See, if that's the case, then as that role versus kind of like a, a fill-in role, you know, on different positions, a, a utility guy, as a third baseman, I'm not on board with that. I, I, I did a whole study. I compared the numbers. Chris Bryant is a better player. I don't think they're going to be signing both, so I think the Mets kind of, if, if, if the Mets don't sign Chris Bryant and instead go with Eduardo Escobar as their third baseman, I can't get aboard with that. I can't. Escobar as a utility player, yes, I can get aboard with that. Then you got Mark Kana. He'll be 33 when pitchers and catchers report. He pretty much doubled his annual salaries in signing with the Mets over his last contract with the A's. I think the deal is too much money. Hope he lives up to it. The guy gets on base. You know, period. <laughs> but, of course, Starling Marte is the uh, is the big grab. For sure, for the Mets, and 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 good for them. It's 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 a good move, and they're going to have a great defensive outfield with with uh, Kana, Nimmo, and of course Marte. Sal and Valley Stream, you're up next on the fan. Hi, hey Danielle, thank you for taking my call. Uh, ciao, Salvatore. Uh, thank you. I got um something on the Giants first. Yeah. Uh, you know, yesterday I listened to um no. Today I was listening into uh, Gordon Zamar, 9870 ESPN. He was talking about, you know, the expectations for Daniel Jones. You know, I think he's going to throw the ball. Good. Hang up, please. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. That was 
was a classic. Paul, that was like when you were when, when we were kids and we were on like the internet and you would say, Ma, hang up the phone. You just knocked me off the internet. That was bizarre. That was funny. That was weird. That was funny. Hang up the phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, like when you're not supposed to like really, really laugh, but <laughs> really trying not to. Let me take a breath here. That was funny. That was funny. Luke in Westchester. Please don't hang up on me, Luke. Hey, Danielle. Don't worry. I can't compare to that. <laughs> won't, won't even be close. So, um, what, what I wanted to talk to you about, well, I was really curious to think of uh, or to hear what you think now of Daniel Jones. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say, you know, I haven't been a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of remember Manning when he was rookie and he grew up in the giant system. I always remember, you know, he didn't do great for the first three quarters, but when it came to game time in the fourth corner, you could always count on him to make a big drive or a big trade. Uh, big play to make uh, to, to get you a touchdown or get you a score that you needed, and I I just don't see that in him. And I know everybody's talking about the offensive coordinator and the schemes and stuff like that. And I know you're a coach, so you probably know more about that. If this is going to be a big change to his game, but I I, I just don't see him in the future as a quarterback that that could win you that Super Bowl, maybe a playoff game. But I just don't see him as a regular, and I, I kind of want to get your your feeling on that. Yeah, um, and Luke, it's a good question. It's a, it's kind of like a loaded question. A few things. Um, one, I will say that Daniel Jones has had to learn two offenses in his three years here. One on the prior offensive coordinator, one under the one that they just fired, and and now technically this is kind of like a third, but not really. So in that sense, it's tough. He's behind the eight ball to begin with. Two. He has dealt with a slew of injuries of guys coming in and out. And I know good quarterbacks supersede anything going on around them. Three, he's had a terrible offensive line for his duration here so far uh, as a giant. Four, he's also had no threat of a running game pretty much whatsoever at all either. I mean, Saquon Barkley, six touches and what was it? Four point whatever yards per touch. I mean, come on. Horrible. Saquon Barkley is a non-threat. So defenses then kind of, you know, play the pass and react to the run. And Daniel Jones is sort of kind of a victim of that. In his first 12 games, he had un- under uh, Schuler, uh, well, he had 12 games in his first season, started, 12 games started. He had two, what was it, fourth quarter, I guess, fourth quarter come from behind victories out of those 12 games. That's pretty good. Since then, in his 24 games since then with the Jason Carrot offense, He's had one. In 24 games as a starter, he's had one. To me, that kind of points to a scheme issue. I would love to see them open the field up, throw the ball downfield. The guy is perfect over the middle this year in terms of quarterback rating. I had to look at it twice. He is perfect beyond 20 yards between the hash marks. Put it there. And also down the left sideline, he's he's well above league average in terms of quarterback rating. Why they're not hammering those spots in the field, I'm not sure, but I would love to see it starting tomorrow. All right. The fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices.
segment here of Danielle in the daytime, I guess. McCartan before midnight. Whatever you want to call this, 7.01 p.m. on this Saturday night time slot. You can go for it. I love alliteration, so maybe you want to, you, know, you guys have something for me. Got Paul Rosenberg behind the glass taking your phone calls at 877-337-6666. And before I uh, up and out of here, before the Nets pregame coverage, I want to talk to a few more of you guys, but I forgot. I got to give my Jets predictions. So before I forget, and I'll keep this short because this is a game that no one really, well, all right, the 2-8 and eight Jets going to Houston and take on the 2-8 and eight Houston Texans. It's a really winnable game for the Jets, it really. Can they pull it off? I mean, I, I hate to say it, but this game is going to rest solely on Zach Wilson's shoulders, and I'm not too confident. Partly because of him and partly because of the Jets' offensive line. And the Jets have allowed two sacks and eight quarterback hits on Joe Flacco, who, remember, the Jets brought him in to, to play, you know, because he's the veteran. He knows how to read the Miami Dolphins' defense and all that, and he's he can pick up coverages and all that. Okay, well, maybe maybe Zach Wilson can't do that, but Zach Wilson is back, and on the season, he's got only four touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a 63.5 overall rating. Brutally bad. Also bad, bad news, the Texans' secondary picked off Ryan Tannehill four times last week and held him to a measly 58.4 rating. And over the last two games, they've got six interceptions and just two touchdown passes allowed, that Texans secondary. So my dad always likes taking the uh, anytime touchdown scorer of the defense or special teams. Dad, I hope you're listening. Take the Texans defense. And their pass rush, sacked Tannehill two times, hit him eight times, and they have four sacks over the past two weeks. So that looked like a great defense last week. But then you ask yourself, how can they be 2-8? and eight? Because they are wildly inconsistent. Then you got Tyrod Taylor, scored two rushing touchdowns on the Titans last week. If the Jets can just contain his legs, kind of the same thing like the Giants and, and Jalen Hurts, because Ty, Tyrod Taylor is coming off a passing performance of just 107 yards and a 69.3 rating last week, they might, the Jets might be in business if they can bottle him up. And the game before that, Tyrod Taylor threw three interceptions. So, again, wildly inconsistent. No promises. Because this Jets defense is just freaking awful. Jets are two-and-a-half-point underdogs, and my model has this game. The As long as I've been running this model, this is the closest it's ever been. And this is no exaggeration. So it's a total pick em. This is going to be a sloppy, sloppy game. I think it's going to end on a last-second field goal. I think this is going to go to overtime, and I think it's going to end on a last-second field goal. And I think that the Texans' Fairbairn is the one who kicks it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'm going Texans 21, Jets 18 on an overtime field goal by Houston. I'm, text, I'm typing it um, as I say it. So overtime field goal by Houston wins it. So I hope I'm wrong. Texans 21, Jets ATM. I tweet this out because I don't hide behind stuff. Go ahead. Uh, you guys can put your 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 uh, score predictions there underneath that, and you can reply to it. Jets fans, go ahead and do that uh, at Coach M C C A R T A N on Twitter, and I'm going to post it up on Facebook.com/slash Coach McCartan as well. You guys can go ahead and put your uh, score predictions for the Jets up there too. Facebook.com/slash Coach McCartan. Okay, uh, to the phones uh, to James in Long Island. You're up next on the fan. How are you? I'm glad to be able to uh, 
talk to you before you get off the air. I know I'm cutting it a little close. Oh, here, okay. I'm, You're good. We got time. Go ahead. But I'm good. So uh, anyway, I wanted to uh, call about Daniel Jones, and I agreed with you what you said earlier because I think you were spot on. I think 100%. You got to give Daniel Jones another year because this. I don't think this falls on uh, Daniel Jones at all. I think this has got to fall on Dave Gettleman because he's not giving uh, Daniel Jones any chance to succeed with how that offensive line has been playing mm-hmm. and the ta- and how many injuries they've had to their receiving core this year. Yep. I think I saw some stat. That, I don't remember the exact number on. Uh, on the top of my head, but maybe if you could see, if you could look it up after I disconnect or something. What's but that? it was um, a bunch of the. I think it was a very limited number of snaps that all that Daniel Jones has played with all of his normal starting uh, starting weapons. So I think that you got you got to give him a pass for this year because I th- I still think that he can uh, has a lot of talent. And I still think that he can uh, show us that he's the guy. Uh, with, but it's got, this has got to go on Dave Gettleman. He's got to go and you got to bring in a competent GM who, who fixes that offensive line and especially for Barkley too, because if Barkley's got, if Barkley's going to succeed, you need an offensive line and the offensive line straight up stinks right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and James, all good points there. And, and it's like, how could you evaluate somebody who hasn't had his full arsenal? You know, he's been behind the eight ball to begin with. I mean, how could you make a declarative declaration on Daniel Jones at this point? I mean, I always think, too, and I always go back to the fact that the Jets and Mark Sanchez took the Jets to -to back-to-back AFC championship games. And everybody on Thanksgiving, when I said that, said, oh, but they had a good defense. Well, well, maybe that's the blueprint that the Giants need to, to utilize moving forward. Put a staunch defense out there. Because look around. Who is a better quarterback for the Giants, realistically speaking? I don't want to hear Aaron Rodgers. He's not coming to the Giants. I don't want to hear Russell Wilson. He's not coming to you. The offensive line is so bad that neither of those two guys would want to come. So the next question is, okay, can they draft somebody better? Um, From everything I've heard, and I haven't done my own homework yet, but from everything I heard, this offensive uh, quarterback class coming out of all these offenses in college, none of them are great. None of them are outstandingly great. So you run it back with Daniel Jones one more year, and, and but then here's the problem. He's now learning his third official new offense in four years. And, and, and wait a second. Did I just get deja vu? This is like Sam Darnold all over again. Had the same issues. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I For me, though, knowing what this guy ha- has dealt with and, and, and put up with and, and what has been dealt to him, I can't make a declarative statement on him, yes or no, either way, just yet. I'm The needle is trending toward yes on him for me because of all of the adversity he's had to try to overcome as quarterback in the New York Giants. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. No one knows. So to call up and say, oh, well, uh, you don't know. Okay, he had all of, and I can't find, I was looking for, I can't find, how many uh, snaps that he has had with his starters for 2021. But I, I do believe that I was keeping track one off the top of my head. I think through the first six or seven weeks of the season, he didn't have a single solidified offensive line combination. Like their the starters were in different spots through the first six or seven, definitely six though, first weeks of the season. I mean, how do you build any sort of chemistry like that? And then Andrew Thomas went out. So, I, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't know. To Dobbs Ferry we go. Sparky, you're up next on the fan. 
First of all, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, Coach. You too, Sparky. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, now, quick, as far as the Yanks, one thing that we've mentioned before is I think bringing back Didi Gregorius would be a great idea for like two years, and then you can bring up the kids after two years. Okay. <sighs> yeah. I, you know, Didi Gregorius is a guy that kind of – the name has been circulating around uh, – I don't know. I mean, he's under contract with the with the Philadelphia Phillies, so they're going to have to trade for him. At that I mean, point, I would be like, eh, I'm I out. mean, the only thing, Coach, I'm concerned, though, do you think with the potential lockout, do you think they actually have the time to sign a shortstop? Well, they're going to have to do it probably after the lockout now. I mean, and, really. And, and also, one of the things I would think about bring back Rizzo, Okay. Yeah, I see. Like, I like Rizzo and or Olsen, right? I do. Uh, but it depends on which way the Yankees are going to go. I would just throw money at it and get Rizzo. If yeah, the Yankees want to give up trade pieces and stuff and, and do Olsen, Olsen is the better player. But I'm going oh, the money route. Oh, Coach, I agree with you with Olsen. But that's the thing. I think you have to give up the ranch to get this yeah, guy. Uh-huh. Okay. And a friend of mine at work, Paco, made a suggestion to me. He's saying, you know what, the Yanks, you go after Strowman. Uh, okay. That might not be a bad idea, but he said he is not going to be a Yankee. He said it on Twitter, and he dug oh, his own grave did. with that one. Yep. Oh, oh, he did. Oh, yeah, okay. he, he is adamant about not joining the Yankees. I think he'd be a great fit for the Yankees. I'm with you. Yeah, because you know the shame about it is he has shown he can pitch in New York. Yep. Okay. Yep. And now, when you, and my last thing... When you were talk, I agree with you 100% about the Giants game for one reason only. Whenever you hear that word collaborative, oh. to me, that's another word for no clue. <laughs> I would be very apprehensive taking the Giants just because of that. Yep. I mean, everything else would lean towards possibly taking the Giants, the crowd being psyched up for stray hand, mm-hmm. everything. But then going in like this, and they've also had weird games against Philly over the last few years. Yep. And this could be another one. <laughs> I know? mean, it, it could be in Sparking. And the crowd's going to be pumped up. I hope that you better be if you're going to that game. You better be pumped up to see Michael Strahan. Um, but, yeah, it gets really confusing on, you know, too many chefs in the kitchen, I think, if no one really knows, you know, what the collaborative effort in in – calling plays is going to be. And then there's only one voice that comes through the headset. So who's it going to be? I guess it's going to be Kitchens. All right, real quick break, and then we'll wrap it up right before the Nets. Let's get one or two more calls in. I would appreciate it at 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Alexa, play WFAN. been fun everybody here on the fan i'm danielle mccartan maybe we get one more in for the nets pregame coverage comes your way i've got um matt fasulo he, he drives the the uber down there matt from the jersey shore he he actually sent me a message with three questions <laughs> he because he, he he had to go before he was on hold and he had to drop off but he said hey so mets get epler cohen switches to george steinbrenner mode so now is cash waiting too long to make a move or did cohen just make us look bad with three moves in one day um, well, Brian Cashman, is your phone connected still? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's a good question. I don't know. But I think, I, I think 
Steve Cohen is just trying to get it in before, you know, it, this this impending lockout. And I can't blame him, right? You don't want all, so all these question marks. You don't want to think about all these question marks for the next couple months or whatever it is. Um, from Ken th- Ken Rosenthal, and uh, Paul alerted me to this over the break, at, at 7.11 p.m., Ken Rosenthal tweeted that the Angels plan to hire Phil Nevin as third base coach. So Phil Nevin, a uh, great guy with the Yankees. I've met him. He's a great, great, great guy. You know, he found a new job. So good for him. Third base coach with the Angels is Phil Nevin. Good. I'm, I'm happy with that. And he'll be with uh, Tyler Wade again, which is great. And with, uh, for him and for Tyler Wade and with uh, Noah Syndergaard. How about that? Um, another question from Matt Fasul. He said, uh, I'm gone. We've gone from winning, the Yankees have gone from winning a World Series all the way to Cashman actually lying to us so far about him aggressively pursuing upgrades, staying the same and possibly not making the playoffs. That's the thing. They, they told you they were going to be aggressive, and then they weren't. So, Yankees, I mean, you're on the clock. I think the Mets are going to add a, another pitcher, a starting pitcher for this this weekend is over, and, and the Yankees, you're, man, on the clock. Let's go. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you all. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature. Select the start of the show, which was 4 p.m. at 6.20 to give us the Philly perspective on the Giants-Eagles game with Sports Radio 94. WIP's afternoon co-host, John Marks. Great job to Brian Rascona and to Paul Rosenberg behind the glass today. Also to Anthony Pierno, live in person on the updates. I'll be back with you a week from tonight. After the Nets game, after our Nets coverage, I will be with you, for, I guess, from about 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. In the meantime, you guys hit my socials, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and Instagram, too. Let's keep the conversation going. Brooklyn Nets basketball coming your way next here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan. WFAN.